Hey there, and welcome to the Fantasy Fantasia Podcast, a podcast where a bunch of theater nerds gather around and play various tabletop role-playing games, such as Dungeons & Dragons, Monster Hearts, Monster of the Week, Call of Cthulhu, and more. My name is Eric Branchett, and I will be your Master of Ceremonies for tonight's episode of Undergrad, A Monster Hearts Tale. Previously on Undergrad, A Monster Hearts Tale. Our last chapter opened with a prologue, with our special guest NPC, Silda, played by Sarah, visiting the patriarch of her family, Grandpa Boa. He entrusted to her the mysterious Adder-Sworn family locket, said to have incredible powers and influences on the family. There appeared to be tensions and rifts happening at home, and Grandpa Boa can no longer trust the locket's safety at his mansion. So he trusts it to Silda for her to protect. She says that she will never take it off and will protect it with her life. Our Oakhurst heroes were charged with saving the Box Squad's spooky, scary serenade and stopping the band from playing past midnight of October 31st. The fiddle that Johann von Boss was showcasing his fiddling talents actually summoned a demon who was essentially the Pied Piper of Monsters, the demon known as Sam Hain. The demon's presence caused all of the party's guests to transform into their Halloween costumes. After being freed from the confines of their costumes by the chairman, though the group was still able to use the abilities that were exhibited in their guises, the group sought out Silda to use her costume's powers of Medusa to turn the box squad to stone and stop them from playing. After such adventures as a near-death encounter with a pack of faculty who transformed into giant cat people, wacky shower sex, and literally Batman saving a damsel in distress, the group was able to clear the way of danger to the stage and allow Silda to freeze Johan just before the twelfth chime of the midnight bell, sending the malevolent demon Sam Hain back to hell. Before the demon was banished, however, it managed to take a pumpkin seed from its fleshy jack-o'-lantern head and inject it into Iris's chest. After careful examination by the chairman, Iris was told not to worry, as he couldn't detect any magical maladies within her. However, Cain got a different story from his demonic bestie, who informed Cain that the seed implanted in Iris did indeed carry a small part of Sam Hain's consciousness inside of it. Therefore, a part of Sam Hain lives within Iris. However, Kane's bestie assured him that because Sam Hain's power can only manifest on October 31st, it would be wise to wait until next Halloween for the exorcism of Iris to begin. But for now, she would be very safe and not affected by it. So, we'll see what happens next Halloween. After the spooky serenade wrapped up, our guest NPC Silda joined Alexis and Zack for a post-midnight menage a trois. Early that morning, while the three of them enjoyed a post-coital cuddly sleep, Alexis slipped out and drove over to a secret tunnel hidden in Oakhaven. There, in the pre-dawn morning, she met a mysterious figure who calls himself the Pale Mare. The same mysterious figure, who was seen in previous prologues and epilogues, kidnapping the now-deceased frat boy, Chadley. Alexis presented the Pale Mare with Silda's family locket in exchange for her friend's safety. The Pale Mare stated that this exchange would protect their friends as the team's interference and unmasking of Coffee Bob at the welcome mixer seemed to have interrupted some mysterious plans they have. After a final statement by the Pale Mare saying that his master, his 
God would now leave the group alone, Alexis ran out into the night. And after the spooky scary serenade, we've actually left our heroes for some time. Autumn has passed, classes fall into the rhythm of regularity, until, before they knew it, our Oakhurst heroes found winter and the end of their first Oakhurst semester upon them. Let's get back to a now wintry Oakhurst college steeped in holiday cheer. Welcome back, everyone, to Undergrad, a Monster Hearts tale. Chapter 17, Solstice Celebrations. We open on a drafty stone tower with intricate floating instruments kind of hanging as if they're chandeliers from the ceiling. It's very rough, but it seems to be something that looks like the solar system. And there are different vials of things and, and, and uh, what, what we would say are rudimentary uh, Bunsen burners and different sort of potions frothing and books scattered all around in this circular stout stone tower. And sitting by herself is a young woman. You can see her rosy cheeks from the cold getting in, wrapped in a fur blanket, looking over different sort of samples and writing as if uh, kind of comparing and creating a log. And the fire in this, you know, very large area lights very a very small amount of it, just enough to illuminate the woman's writings and her studies. What we can see as we kind of pan away from her is despite the cold coming in, even sort of some, some snowflakes managing to get in and casting their uh, reflectivity against the light in certain areas, what we see are these beautiful flowers in blue. Somehow they've managed to stay. And as the woman is writing and studying, we hear the wind begin to pick up. If you could read the intricate instruments at the top that resemble a crude solar system, it would indicate that this is indeed the winter solstice. And they begin to spin irregularly because of the wind being introduced to the room, almost now that they're spinning at an incredible pace as this cold gush starts to pour in, even breaking a few stones from the wall. The woman quickly stands up and turns to the door, and you hear echoing from the outside. And the door flies open and a gust of air and snow comes swirling in, making almost a tornado in the center of the room. And the young woman gazes through the snow and, th and she's looking at a very tall figure standing outside with purple glowing eyes. And as the figure begins to walk towards her, she feels unnaturally pulled towards him. And she takes one step and two step and three step, not being able to break away from these deep purple eyes. And as the cold tornado kind of swirls around her clothing, her hood is blown up. And we're looking at a flushed cheeked, very much alive, Dr. Elizabeth Egan. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, our camera 
fades to black. And welcome back, everyone, to the Fantasy Fantasia podcast brought to you by Tall Tale Theater Collective. This is, of course, Monster Hearts Undergrad. We uh, just got off our Halloween special. We're doing a bit of a time jump, and we're here for a holiday special. So happy holidays, everyone, and welcome happy back. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I hope everyone is enjoying the cold weather and their holidays, no matter what you've done. Hope you're all staying safe. We, of course, are back with some crazy wackiness brought to you by the society members at Oakhurst who still haven't fucking come up with a goddamn name that I can use. (laughs) So, yes, like we said, we are here doing a bit of a holiday special. So we got some fun gift exchanges. And, of course, our characters are going into their final exams. So we'll see how the heck... That goes. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess without further ado, let's uh, jump into some cold weather, some holiday cheer, and uh, some eggnog, because that shit's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Our camera opens back up on all of the society members, because that's apparently what we're going to call you for right now. (laughs) <laughs> all, all of you uh, in that little alcove around the red door where the headquarters is located. Uh, pretty much the entire alcove is covered in snow. You're about ankle shin deep in snow at this point. It has been snowing on the Oakhurst campus for more than three days now. And the entire campus is this complete blanket of snow. Exams are wrapping up. Uh, this is the very end of exams. This is, of course, on the winter solstice itself. Uh, there are very few exams left. All of you being in first year, do have your exams extended, but most of the campus has actually begun to empty out. So uh, you have a lot more room than you're used to, uh, which is nice. And the chairman had invited you for some holiday, a holiday breakfast, basically, he said. And he said that he had someone new who was visiting that uh, you probably want to meet, and he was dying to meet all of you. So you've all gathered before and have met outside and uh, we kind of cut t- to you in, in mid knock as the door swings open and you see the chairman looking back at you, looking very morose and tired and angry going, oh, you've shown up. Wonderful. Please come inside. And you can just hear like Christmas music blasting. The headquarters has been completely done up to just look like, you know, like Rockefeller Square, basically. Just this massive tree that is coming through the ceiling, sprouting out in most of the room, garland everywhere. Uh, It's just really done over the top. There's like a little mini train that's circling around the entire border of the crowning. And he goes, I just, it's just gone out of hand. He he just loves the holiday time. (laughs) Iris is hiding and throws a snowball at the chairman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, so he kind of turns around and goes, I've never seen... And just the snowball hits him square in the face. And he just stands there staring at you. And it just starts to slide off down his nose, past his mouth, his chin, and slide off of him and splat on the floor. And he just blinks a few times and looks snowball. at you and says... Is everything okay, Chairman? Oh, it's fine. I just... And you hear a voice from the, the kitchen go, Oi! Who, who that be? Oh God! Oh my God! It's uh, you know, not nothing lucky. 
Oh, that's not her nonsense! And it, just in a pop of, like, rainbow smoke, you're, you look at a leprechaun. What you assume to be a leprechaun. Probably about two and a half feet tall, with a very bushy red beard. But instead of the traditional green, he is wearing a Santa costume. And he stares at, he stares at all of you, and he's kind of floating in the air, and he goes, Well, ho, ho, ho! And he points at Egan, Iris, and Evelyn when he says that. Ho, ho! Just kidding! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my goodness! And, and Egan's busy, like, like testing off her her high heels of all the snow, and she says, "I suppose that this is your doing." And she kind of points to all the Christmas decorations. But of course. And he kind of like nudges the chairman with his arm. There, our little mutual friend here has no taste for the holidays. So boring. Yes, Lucky, I'm sure that that's exactly why, because I don't have more important things to do besides bringing in a tree that doesn't fit. Mm. Oh, you're such a sourpuss. Would anyone like some eggnog? Uh, I could go yes. for some nog. As, as yeah. Can... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two nogs coming up. He snaps his fingers and a tray appears in front of you, and you see... Uh, that the eggnog is definitely darker because a substantial amount of rum has been added to it. <laughs> Drink up! Kane looks at the rum. He's like, shit, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I actually can't have this. Uh, thank you, though. And then he walks oh. to the fire. And along the way, he's just like, who knew leather soaked up the cold instead of repelling it? Oh my god, I'm so freezing. Because <laughs> uh, he still just wearing his like, leather jacket and like nothing else to help. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, no. Yo, Kane, Kane, man, you gonna waste that nog? Not if you drink it. Yeah, man, I'll just drink it for you, like, favor, you know, just just out of the kindness of my heart. Here, I'll just go, 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 go. And he goes, I'm sorry, where are my manners? And he takes off his Santa hat, and he does a bow while he's hovering in the air and goes, My name is Lucky O'Wobbles, at your service. Huh. Nice to meet you, Lucky. Uh, this might be a silly question, but is there an egg in this? Eggnog? Is that the silly question? I just want to check. Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> Would you <laughs> like one, dear? Yes, please. Hi, I'm Iris. He, he, he grabs your hand. And he goes, "Enchanté," and he like kisses up oh. your arm, like Gomez oh. Adams style. Um, <laughs> but he, he's, he's floating horizontally <laughs> above your arm as he's doing it, and he uh, goes, "I apologize, madam, but it has been some time since I have met someone from my side of the woods, shall we say?" Your eyes go wide and go, "Oh, oh, right, yes, um." Yes! I can the... smell the fae on you, dear! <laughs> the forest! And she, like, looks to the people who don't know. Even <laughs> 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 the forest! <laughs> you know, mm, good eggnog! And she leaves and goes and stands next to Kane at the fire. <laughs> well, anyways, everyone, I have sword decorating to do. I do have several thousand lights I have to rig all across the interior. And don't worry, I know what you're thinking. They are synced with music. <laughs> of course! Oh. What kind of half-assinger do you think I am? Ta-ta! <laughs> and he kind of snaps and, and uh, disappears in a puff of smoke again. And the chairman is just still standing. It, it, uh, you, you didn't realize that he's been standing there, there the whole time with just the most depressed look on his face. And he's staring at this, like, these collection of baby New Year's that he's kind of hung up. It's like uh, Lucky has hung this chandelier of baby, of porcelain baby figurines oh. in the corner. And they're all kind of, uh, you know, they're all just all baby New Year's. And uh, 
the chairman is appalled by and he's just staring at all of them in disgust and he looks back and says do you see what i mean oh man he's an energetic one isn't he <laughs> definitely looks different from the last time we were here Ooh, i like it very festive it's pretty yes. yes i i apologize it has been some time since you've since you've been here i uh uh i was away from campus for some time but i'm back and i well, let's just say I told Lucky that he could stay here if he ever needed to, and he took that as right now for an indefinite amount of time. Oh. <laughs> Do you want us to get rid of him? Is that what? Is that why you've arranged us all here? No, God, God, no. No, 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 but thank you for having my bag, Zach. I appreciate that you would kill a leprechaun. It's very hard to do, so thank you. Okay, so Kane says, having done a little bit of his homework, says, uh, around Halloween time, he says, uh, you know, he's actually a lot nicer than I thought a leprechaun would be, so that that's good. And he kind of puts his hands in his jacket pocket. From the kitchen, Lucky's voice shout, that movie was bullshit, PR! <laughs> You don't rhyme as much, do you? That was the most annoying part. <laughs> no one rhymes. It's complete and utter lies. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how hard anyone tries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Fuck you, smartass. <laughs> <laughs> the chairman goes, I, I apologize. Where are my matters? I, I did invite you all here for breakfast. Well, it's uh, served. Please come with me. And uh, I would love to hear how everyone's year is going and, and what you plan on doing next year. Yes. Mm. Excellent. Follow me. And he turns around and leads you to that kind of main meeting room with the circular oak table. Mm. And you see that uh, the the table seemingly seems larger than it used to be. And before you, you just see this massive spread of food. Oh, and he says, up. well, what are you waiting for? Please dig in. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Does uh, Elizabeth have just her, her little cup of blood? It's actually in like a gravy boat oh, uh, oh. in front of you with like a little ladle. Special, yes. yes. Okay. I might have actually have to put a little eggs on my plate and kind of drizzle it with... <laughs> we'll call it Eggs Elizabeth. Yeah, I get about halfway and kind of look around at the table and realize what I'm doing. <laughs> So was I wrong in thinking that we were going to do our, with his mouthful, he says, mm. our gift exchange now, or was that going to be a tonight thing, or did oh. I even get anybody else gifts? Because I, I I might feel a little silly if I, if I did. That's, that did. reminds me, um, did everybody get my invitation for tonight's celebration? No. Yes. I, I look to Iris. <laughs> <laughs> I told you about it this morning. I was not listening. I'm sorry. Abris, <laughs> I thought you'd tell Kane about it. Oh, I thought I did too, but maybe I forgot. No, oh. I'm sure she did. I, I don't listen sometimes. <laughs> I'm so sorry, honey. Well, let, let me explain. We're having a celebration at my place. Um, it's for all, everybody here. Um, and it's just going to be a time when we can be together. We've had such a difficult semester that I thought uh. it might be nice to have some downtime. Yeah, so it's hard. to celebrate the winter solstice. That's so nice of you, Dr. Egan. I do appreciate the invitation, Dr. Egan, but I... Um, and he thinks about it for a second. He goes, unfortunately, I have previous plans that I... Uh, cannot get out of. What are you doing? Oh, it's, it's, it's nothing. Just, uh, just, a party? Uh, no, I, I wish. It's just an old friend coming to pick something up. That's all. That's not lucky. So I'm quite, as much as I hate to say it, I'm actually thrilled from a break. From <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited, Egan. I'm excited to see your home. And yes. I really like this whole season of giving. It's fun. 
Yes, yes. I've been decorating all week and uh, if everybody can arrive around seven o'clock, would that work for everybody? Seven o'clock, no problem. Sounds good. Uh, hmm. Zach's gonna sidle up to Evelyn and just be like, um, did they say that there were gonna be gifts given? Um, yeah, you didn't know about this? I've been working on my gifts for everyone for months. No, no, of course, of course I knew about that. Yep, that that was like, <laughs> that was months ago, lockdown, all that shit. You don't, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go right, right now and, and, uh, go get them, yeah. <laughs> oh, Zach, Zach, but before you go, and to not buy presents, since you already have them, um, what what did you choose for your next class next semester? I'd just like to know to work it into our schedules. Yeah, dude, I've got this this uh, this person already doing all my business homework. So can I like can I keep that shit on lockdown and and just actually go to like a cool class? If anyone can figure out a way to make it work, Zach, I think it's probably you. Okay, cool. I, I think I'm gonna like sign up for like horticulture. Is that like a thing they offer here? I know there's a greenhouse, but you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> you'd have to start with their intro to gardening, and that's taught by Professor Flora de Bloom. She is one of the <laughs> most famed horticulturalists in all of the continental U.S. Wow. Nice. No okay. pressure, dude. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. I, I, I had a little project going on. It's, it's all good. Um, Zach, if you ever need me to, like, talk to any of your plants for school, I'd be happy to. Dude, I've got a plant in my, uh, dorm right now that's <gasps> not doing so good, you know? <laughs> oh, I could totally stop by and talk to it and figure out what's wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, dude. You would love Bernie. He's great. He's great. <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> Maybe it just misses its friends. Maybe you should put it back with its family. Well, I mean, I already harvested him, so, you know. <gasps> what? <laughs> she, like, drops her fork and knife. You killed your plant? No, no. He, He's he's with me always, and he pats his chest where he keeps his, like, his little collection. Iris, you swear that as he pats it, you hear, like, help me. <laughs> she, like, shrieks and lunges for his, like, in the pocket. <laughs> you shriek and you lunge for Zach's no, pocket. she just jumps for it. <laughs> You give me a volatile roll right now. <laughs> oh, this this scene took a turn. I'm sorry. <laughs> Eleven. You'd leap out of the chair and just jump on him and tackle him to the ground. Yep. Release them! She's yelled as she's like scratching at. Like, oh my the god, Iris, stop! <laughs> no, just just let her do her thing. Let her do her thing. Let her get it out. I can hear them. Zach's just like at the bottom here, rolling around <laughs> trying to get. The, the weed pack it out. It just goes, whoa, whoa, dude, whoa. I can hear them screaming. Death is only the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so as this is still happening, they're still fighting on the floor. The chairman goes, so anyways, and talks to the rest of the group as this is happening. <laughs> so is everyone feeling ready for their final exams today? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be, I guess. I mean... Well, Kane, you must be very lucky. You get to be on set today, so it must not be as formal as the rest of them, so that must be fun. Yeah, no, it's, um... The professor having changed his... He's just happier recently, and I don't know if it's for the best, necessarily. I kind of liked him when he was sad and probably an alcoholic. <laughs> so we'll see how today goes. Yes, Mo Picton has become quite the sensation on campus. So there's hardly a day that an interviewer isn't here talking about his, his new film. I hear that his new film is dedicated to the old monster movies of the 1920s and 30s. Fascinating. 
and that he's combining his love of all of these classic films, and he has named it Revenge of the Creature's Bride. Kane, like, the more you think about it, obviously he's not famous at this time in the 90s, but if you had to compare it to his attitude right now, it'd be someone like Michael Bay. Like, just, he's been a mega douchebag. Like, he just, like, driving around on his golf cart, being a dick, taking interviews, acting. Like, but don't get me wrong, he still loves you, but uh, he's been acting quite like the prima donna lately. Well, he really, uh... As the assistant, he really puts the ass in it. You know, I feel like an idiot because he's just yelling at everybody to do all these random tasks. Like, he's drinking seven coffees a day, but I don't know if he even drinks them. He just asks for them so people get them for him. It's not fun. (laughs) I don't even know what I'm being marked on today, so we'll we'll, we'll find out when we walk in. Iris, how about you as you're, like, (laughs) mid-fight with with Zach still? Um, She, like, pauses. Like, her, like, hands are still on the pocket. Like, she's still going. She, like, turns and says... I have to present my sculpture that I've been working on, so I don't know. I'll just see if she likes it. Um, yeah, it took me a long time to figure out what to do because there's so many things that I love, but um, I think I figured it out after like the 50th time changing it. <laughs> Zach, how about you from down there? You're feeling good for your... I hear that your uh, big business venture is being investigated on by your prof, Marx. Thanks for the tip there. Also didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to leave real real quick here. Uh, Iris, Iris, listen. No, can, no, can... no, no. Iris, let the weed go. It's going to burn to death, okay? It's going to happen. What? Just let it go. Okay. I'll tell your story. You're our hero. And she, like, slowly backs away. So, Zach, are you taking this time to skedaddle out of yep. there? He's, he's going to go to his, well, priorities, uh, going to Coffee Josh's. Okay, yeah, so you're Coffee Josh bound. So as you head out the door and kind of sneak out in the kerfuffle, the chairman looks at you, Evelyn, and says, So, are you ready for your presentation? As ready as I'll ever be, I guess. It's been interesting working with Maddie. She's definitely passionate about Richard Simmons. And I have to say, I now know more <laughs> about Richard Simmons' workouts than I ever wanted to know in my life. And I am definitely looking forward to cleansing my brain out after this presentation is done. So you're presenting about Richard Simmons? We're kind of leading the class in a workout. Oh. What? What time? What classroom? (laughs) Those details are staying sealed. And on that, the <laughs> grandfather clock chimes 10, uh, 10 a.m. It begins to chime, and and uh, the, the chairman looks and goes, Oh, well, I'm sure that you all wanted to get to your exams, but before that, I do have a gift for everyone. So, Serby, uh, the uh, three-headed dog Serby, kind of runs in, and in each of its mouths is holding uh, golden trays. And it, they place them in front of the chairman. The chairman scratches each of their heads and gives them each a treat. <laughs> and looks at everyone and goes, uh, so this is from Lucky and I, well, at least one of here. And he gives everyone an individual bag. You know what? I'll just, he snaps his fingers and Zach, we briefly cut back to you. And as you've arrived at your car, you kind of put your hand on the door handle and you feel a tug on your other hand and you look and you see that around your wrist, a present has kind of materialized there. Its strap is hanging and we cut back to the chairman and he says, well, Zach has his gift now. (laughs) And you see that inside is a large golden coin. And he said, 
that's from Lucky. Uh, Lucky will actually be selling some of his wares, and d you didn't hear it from me, but some of them are rather good. It's It hurts for me to even say that. He's gifted you all a Lucky coin. Wow. So Excellent. if you need it at any point, give it a flip in the air, and your odds will drastically change. And so out of, uh, basically in-game, as the GM what that means, is you have one coin that you can use that will automatically turn your roll to a 12. Hell yeah. And something else in the bag, you'll see that there is a pin. And the pin is in the shape of uh, an oak tree. And he says, this present is from me. Now, I know they're not a perfect magical artifact, yet I'm slowly tinkering with them. But should you find yourselves in a position where you are in need or in danger or really anything, if you need to let the others know what to do or where you are simply hold the pin and think very hard use the magic that we have been training in each and every one of you your special abilities and channel your mind to your other friends each of them they create a sort of network shall we say and everyone else will receive an image or perhaps a word or something the magic changes depending on the situation but they will be alerted to where you are and will hopefully be able to find you Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank yeah, you. Very that's much. really thoughtful. Yes, very handy. I'm so glad that you like it. I, I, Lucky said his gift was better. My gift was better! Well, anyways, I, I, I don't want to keep you anymore. I know that some of you will be starting your exams very soon. So please, um, thank you for coming for breakfast. And I, I wish you all nothing but the best. And I, uh, I will be gone tonight again for probably three or four days. So... Why don't we all reconnect come second semester? I I do think you're all ready to take the next steps in your training. I want to get... It's time that you start unlocking your powers to the next level. I hope wherever it is you need to go tonight, you have a wonderful time, and we will see you next semester then. Merry Christmas, Mr. Chairman. And to you too, Evelyn. Iris hops up and gives him a hug. <laughs> He's still very cold, though. I'll tell you all about intro to basket weaving. That's the course I'm taking next semester. <laughs> For a second, Iris, you swear you see, like, Lucky's eyes poke out of the hallway to stare at you and then, like, slink back away. <laughs> Iris is a little afraid because I'm assuming she watched Leprechaun, too. <laughs> she yeah, knows King definitely better. needed the moral support. Yeah. <laughs> and what I will say, Iris, is being a creature of the Fae yourself, even there, leprechauns are very rare and mm. very solitary. Yeah. So e even amongst fairy people, leprechauns are considered magical beings. Yeah, she doesn't even know what to expect then. She's like, I don't know if that movie's true. Who knows? So as soon as you step outside that little alcove, uh, Lucky pops up in front of you again. And Lucky goes, okay, so anyone want to buy anything? And he kind of like, you see him open up his his, his clothing and he just has like the, the amount of pockets he has don't even seem humanly possible with what they're <laughs> filled with. And he goes, Lucky's Emporium of Good Shit is open for business. Oh Legs gosh. for short. Legs, yes. And his eyebrows are going up and down. Yes. Always loved a good pair of legs. <laughs> well, sure, let's take a look. What do you got? So feel free to take a look at your sheets. Uh, for the listeners at home, I have sent the group a list of the things that you can buy, so you'll hear some of them as they read them off. And Lucky lists them very quickly and says to you all, if you need some time to think, that's okay. Just here you go. And he hands you his business card, all of you. And you see that it just says Lucky O Wobbles, and it says Lucky Lucky I want to get lucky, like in 
in, in quotation him. marks. And he says, just say that and I will appear to sell you my wares. Hey, Lucky, can I grab um, more of these shiny coins? Maybe like three <laughs> of them? <laughs> oh, sorry, right now I'm fresh out of stock. I had to give oh. them all to you. Okay, I'll keep this one. Evelyn's just kind of hanging back from the group. She knows she can't really afford anything, but she's watching everyone and eyeing everything and just trying to look casual. And uh, Egan sees that Evelyn's sort of hanging back, so she uh, waits until nobody's looking, and then she walks over to Evelyn and and hands her um, a $20 bill. Dr. Egan, I can't take this. It's all right. Consider it a a Christmas present. Aw. Thank you. And then looking to make sure that no one is paying attention to them, she gives Dr. Egan a hug. And interrupting this hallmark moment, you hear (laughs) Lucky ending a story to Iris and Kane saying, and that's how I was president for a day. Yeah, let's just say Kane's (laughs) jaw is dropped and he's literally turned like sheet white. Like, (laughs) so we'll leave it up to the imagination. (laughs) And every royal was named O'Wobbles for a generation after. Okay, we gotta go. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> Lucky, we'll be in touch. I'm sure we'll buy something. Oh, sounds good, dearie. You may be hearing from me sooner than you think. And oh. he uh, kind of tilts his hat. And um, Iris, you know that your exam is at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Kane, yours is at 12 mm. p.m. So just the hour after. Evelyn, yours is in the early afternoon. Okay. And uh, Zach's, yours is going to be at 2. Okay. So, so you got a bit of time to drive over and stuff. So, Evelyn, um, as Kane and Iris walk up the alcove and leave, uh, did you want to do anything with, with, did you want to buy anything from Lucky? She's going to ask Lucky about the earmuffs of eavesdropping. Oh, so the young little girl wants to listen in on conversations, does she? I thought it could be helpful to our group so that we could have an idea of what we're getting into. Oh, well. And he picks them up and he goes, these are a limited edition, you see. A hundred dollars. Evelyn's going to reach into her pocket and she's going to pull out one of her potions and say, what if I throw this in? It's a blue potion in a small vial. And she says, this improves people's memories. Or she pulls out a green potion. This can help people feel calm. What do you think? I'll tell you what, both of them, and you don't have to pay me anything. Um, okay, thank you. Wonderful, he takes both of the potions from you and throws you the the earmuffs. So, Evelyn, what those earmuffs mean is you're going to be able to listen to people's conversations <laughs> or anything that you want to overhear uh, through solid objects or doors around a 20-foot radius of you. So that'll obviously be a roll, it'll probably be a sharp roll, and we'll just determine it from there. Okay, perfect. So on a two to six, you obviously won't hear anything. Seven to nine, you'll hear parts of a conversation. And then 10 up, you'll hear a conversation in its entirety. So do what you want with that. Right. Great. And his eyes kind of glance over to you, Doctor. And he goes, and he kind of like smells and says, Hmm, you, madam, have a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) I see you can smell money. Hmm. I can smell fortune. What is that? And she points to the plot armor. It looks like a chest plate made of living air. Well, this is an invention of my own design. If mortally harmed, all damage, all pain, all whatever you are inflicted upon you will be, let's say, absorbed by this plot armor and boom, 
It explodes, but you do not. Does it only work with the person who purchases it, or is it something that can be transferred to others? You can give it to whoever you'd like, but it once it's used, it's used. Hmm. $5,000. Oh, come now. She looks at him, and she's sort of like, uh, kind of narrows her eyes, and she says, Do you take checks? (laughs) (laughs) But of course, just make sure the fucker doesn't bounce. (laughs) So as you're walking to your car, Egan, Evelyn, I know you wanted to do something before your exam, right? Yes. Okay, so we'll cut back to you in a bit to do that. Egan, you're kind of walking in the quad by yourself. You can see that the film crew has taken over most of the quad. They're filming in front of the clock tower today. Mm -hmm. And you can see they have these massive tarps and things set up just to make sure that the snow doesn't come in and ruin the shots and things like that Mm -hmm. um, as they're kind of filming outside. So you, you walk past that and you hear, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. And you see that Jeremy is running out. I I have something to tell you. Well, two things, actually. Uh, One thing, I did just hear, just coming down the pipeline, that uh, Dean, well, not Dean Don, Dean anymore, Mm. Vice President Don Dean now. Doesn't quite have the same ring, does it? (laughs) He is actually looking for you. Apparently something about a a major donor is here and wants to speak to you. A a donor? Um, All right. Well, who am I to say no to money? Hmm. Where is he right now? Uh, they're in the main building right now, so you'll probably have to go through the president's oh. tower, I think. Oh, all right. They're waiting for you on, I think, floor four or five. And uh, one one more thing. Um, happy holidays. And he pulls out just like a little box, and oh. it's got a little white bow on it, and he hands it to you. Oh, um, oh thank you. <laughs> and she opens it up. And it's a key. Oh. And he goes, you know, um, just having having gone out and, you know, just I I figured that, uh, you know, if, if you ever wanted to, to come over or anything like that at any point, um, ever, you you uh. just, here's a key to my home. Oh. Oh, oh shit. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that was that. Lovely. It's probably too much. I I, I no, really no, suck at no, Christmas presents. No, no. I, I, it's, yes. It's all right. Um, I love it. Thank you. Um, maybe uh, maybe I could come over, perhaps late tonight. Yeah, I mean, if if, I, if you're not doing anything, if not, I mean, I uh, my Christmas usually consists of it's a wonderful life and hungry man meals. So you know, <laughs> f- feel free to. Come over then if you want to. It's really, you know, whenever. No no pressure if you want to throw it away as soon as we're done no, this conversation. No, no. That's okay. Um, I, Because I actually, I have a little something for you as well. Well, I do love your gifts. <laughs> and as he runs off, your eyes catch outside a little snow tornado being formed, <laughs> just kind of dancing in the wind. And you swear you, you hear... And she she just stops in her tracks and she gets chills up the back of her neck. Like an old memory coming back. Bomo! And your trance is kind of broken up by the sounds of the quad around you. How are you feeling, Egan? She's kind of like overloaded. She's got, you know, Jeremy giving her, giving her the key, the, this this donor, and then this, the memory from her past. And she just takes a moment and then 
she kind of kind of snaps herself out of it and realizes that she has to go over to the the main building, the administration building. And uh, as she's walking, um, so she's going to head out towards towards the building. So as our camera fades away from Egan, Iris, what do you want to do before the exam? Iris is going to head back to the treetops really quick before her exam. So, Iris, you're going to head back to the treetops. Uh, the the fountain that is kind of in front is is decorated with an ice sculpture now that is replaced daily because it's the treetop storm. <laughs> of course. course. <laughs> and you see that Jeeves is outside actually carving the newest ice statue. And from the waist below, it's just a block of ice. But from kind of the top down, uh, from the top to the middle, it's already sprouting these massive angel wings. And it's this elegant angel blowing a trumpet. <laughs> Jeeves, that's beautiful. Oh, thank you, my dear. I, I I messed up a little bit on the left cheek. It doesn't pop, you know, but that's okay. Live and learn. It's going to melt anyway. <laughs> no, anything with wings is great. In my book. <laughs> oh, what's the time? Don't you have your final exam? Yes, but before I forgot, because I have all the other presents waiting for people later tonight, but I want to make sure I gave you yours before I forgot. Oh, dear. That is so nice of you. And it's this little, like, pink bag with a bow on it. And she goes, Here! Happy winter solstice. Uh, Iris, you didn't have to give me anything, but... Of course, you've helped me and Kane so much, and you were the first person who was really nice to me on campus, and I needed to, and I like giving people things. And he opens it up. What does he see? It's a hot pink bow tie. <laughs> it's a hot <laughs> pink bow tie. He picks it up and he goes, This is the most beautiful bow tie I have ever seen in my life, madam. He takes off the tie he has on, he throws it into the partially frozen pond, throws on your pink tie, and he looks at you, really smiley, and says, Well, how does it look? Oh, she has the biggest grin on her face. She's like, it's wonderful. You look amazing, Jeeves. You can't say this. Strictly speaking, I'm not allowed to show any favoritism, but I, <gasps> I, I did get something for you. What? For me? I didn't have a whole lot of time, and I'm not thrilled with it, but... Well, here you are. And he pulls out a very, very delicate, very tiny, hand-blown glass iris flower. What? Oh my god! It kind of opens up with those very thin petals of purple. And it's kind of been injected with color. And he goes, here, here you are. Oh my goodness! It's beautiful! Did you know that purple irises stand for wisdom, I think? I did. <laughs> Thank you. It's beautiful. And she like pockets it in one of her overalls. Pockets. Hey, Jeeves, before I go to my exam, can I ask you something quick? Yes, of, of course, madam. Anything. Um, I've never really taken a test before. If I fail, can I still stay here? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I, I know many people who have failed... Especially in the treetops, there's a lot of very wealthy children who fail just about everything they do when they're still here. Really? So money fixes that? Apparently, yes, in this country it does. In my country, birth and station does that, but in this country it seems to be money. Oh. Well, thanks, Jeeves. She gives him the biggest hug and says, I really, really liked your present. Thank you so much. I'll see you later, Iris. Okay, I better get to my exam so I don't fail because I forget about it. Good luck. Give, give Babette hell. I I will try. I don't like that word, but I will. And then she leaves. <laughs> and he's just like chipping away at the ice sculpture and he just hears, <laughs> fuck the French. And he's just kind of <laughs> chip, chip, chipping away at the ice. 
Zach, when you arrive in Oakhaven, Coffee Josh's is not open yet because you plan to meet him. Like he, he, he knew that the thing was getting inspected at two, uh, so he's out right now. But you do have time. You said you wanted to get some shopping done. Uh, Zach's gonna bang on the door, uh, not see that Coffee Josh is there. He's gonna see the fucking uh, the the T-shirt display, and he's gonna be like, "Fuck!" Uh, then he's gonna go to the the nearest convenience store if he can. Okay. He'll pick up a Polaroid. Uh, and after looking through the magazines, he's gonna see a like a dirty calendar, and he's gonna he's gonna have an idea. Oh, no. He's gonna have an awful idea. No, no, a oh. terrible, awful <laughs> Christmas idea. <laughs> he goes, "This will be perfect." Uh, he'll he'll buy the Polaroid and run out. Uh, you run out, and as soon as you open the door and the cold air hits you, you swear that you hit a brick wall. You're looking into the face that looks like it was carved out of marble itself of bull steel. Oh, oh shit! And he's snarling at you going, Zach Wilder. Oh, hey, officer. Didn't see you there. Don't know why I wouldn't have, but anyway. Um, happy holidays. I'm just gonna be going now. We've been looking to talk to you for quite some time. Oh, um, yeah, you're you're the campus police, right? You know, Zach, we've been hearing the craziest stories. <laughs> you know, we've been doing several drug busts over the past couple months, and it turns out that in the vast majority of them, we find these. And he pulls out a t-shirt, and it just falls from his hand. <laughs> and you see it's your band t-shirt. Whoa, cool. I got a lot of fans. Thanks, man. That's great. <laughs> he gets way up in your face. Anything that we should be concerned about, Zach? Well, yeah, obviously. We have to find this this t-shirt's owner. <laughs> Quick, you're the, you're the police. Do you have any leads? You know what I think, Zach? And he gets really close to you, and his, like, hot breath, like, kind of steams up your face and starts to melt all the snow kind of clinging to your hair. I think that you are single-handedly the biggest drug kingpin on the entire campus, and I think that you got that little ingrate, and he points to Coffee Josh's shop, in on it, just to scrap a couple of dollars together, right? Just tell me it right now, and let it all be over. Don't you want to get it off your chest, you fucking criminal? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I mean... Yeah, I would, if if only that were the case, but you know, man, like, I think you got me pegged all wrong, dude. It's 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 not me you're you're looking for. I just I just put on a good show. I can't I can't control what, what my the listeners of my music do in their spare and recreational time, probably in their own homes and, and not out out and about. Give me a manipulate an NPC roll. Uh, that's a nine. I'll tell you what. If, by the end of today, you can convince me that you are entirely innocent, I'll leave you alone. If not, you will have to spend every waking day of your life on this campus with the slight fear that I might be behind your back. Got it? I mean, sure, but what happened to innocent, you know, before proven guilty? <laughs> I've always thought that was overrated. Okay, just bull steel, and he kind of pops up, and you see him roll his eyes and snaps back. 
Yes, Sergeant Holly, of course. <laughs> and you see Sergeant Fox Holly kind of coming up to you. She has been going shopping, but uh, she seems to be off duty. And she goes, do I see that you're harassing this young boy off campus? No, no, I just figured that it was, I saw him here and I, we will be having a talk shortly about your behavior. But until then, enjoy the cold weather and the holidays. I'm not dealing with this right now, but mark my words, Bull, we're doing some talking. So I apologize, Mr. Wilder. I do hope you're doing well. Thanks, Captain. <laughs> that, that, that's really sweet of you. Okay, have a good one. Bye. You can hear her scolding Bull Steel behind you as you run back to Coffee Josh's. So, Evelyn, your exam doesn't begin until 1. So, what are you going to be doing in this time before your exam starts? So, Evelyn's been working on a gift for Nick, and she wants to give it to him. I assume they've arranged to hang out before the holidays, and that he'll be leaving to go see his family for the holidays. He will be, yeah. He's actually going to be leaving right after your exam, because he's the TA for it. So, he's going to be leaving directly after that to head home. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so let's say the two of you just planned a nice winter stroll before your exam with Cicero. So, I know that you said that you're heading out back home after the exam to go visit your family. So, I uh, I have a little Christmas present that I'd like to give you before you go. You stop in front of the president's tower under a collection of these really old oak trees that the there's just a bit of snow kind of falling through as you're sitting on the benches. And he goes, wow. Evelyn, you are, you're so thoughtful. That's incredible. He leans in and he gives you a kiss. Now, I assume you're both, like, Nick is, uh, Nick has never had a girlfriend before. So Nick is taking things glacially slow. So, like, you're kissing and stuff, but, like, certainly hasn't gone past second base in, like, the, the two months, yeah. Evelyn reaches into her bag and she takes out a little gift box. He gives you a big smile and he goes, this is wonderful. And he opens it up and what is he looking at? It's a bracelet that is this really rich, dark brown leather. And she kind of made it in the most intricate braid pattern that she knows. And it's made with this black onyx clasp. And in the dark brown braiding, there's a thin gold thread. So that when the light hits it just right, you can see this little glint of gold from it as it sparkles in the sun. And the reason why she used the black onyx for the clasp is because it has protective properties. She's never really worked with protection spells before, so it took her a little while to master it for this bracelet. But she really wanted to give him something that was going to give him a little bit of protection and, you know, keep him safe. He goes, this is, Evelyn, this, th this is beautiful. Here you go. And he pulls out of his pocket a, it seems to be like a very expensive dark leather collar with a intricate silver um, engraving on it that says whiskers. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so sweet, Nick. Oh, whiskers is going to love it. Thank you. <gasps> that's so cute. <laughs> She gives him a kiss. And the snow kind of is falling around you, and you just hear someone yell like, Get a fucking room! <laughs> From across the campus. As you kiss, uh, you hear the, the, the bell toll 12, and Nick goes, Well, we should probably head over to class, eh? Yeah, I guess. All right, so Evelyn, as you head to your exam with Maddie McFinn fan and Cicero and all of that, our camera pans up on the president's tower and into one of the windows that has kind of the elevator shaft. And we see Dr. Egan 
standing in the elevator. And Dr. Egan, you go up the third floor, the fourth floor, and ding, floor five. It stops and opens up, and you see that this is the floor of the vice presidents. Mm -hmm. And you see Don Dean is waiting for you, and his foot is tapping, and he goes, Where have you been, Dr. Egan? Do you know how long we've waited? I paged you, I called you, and nothing. I had to talk to Jeremy. Pager. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> And she like digs out her pager and sure enough, there's like a ton. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I, I got distracted and, and uh, you know, I, I was working on my research, so. Well, this is know. exactly what it's about. So oh. I'm glad that you're up to the task because, and I'm just telling you this right now, so you're mm. not caught unprepared because we cannot afford to lose this, but a donor has approached us and has specifically singled out your work and oh. wants to he wants to write us a blank fucking check. A blank check? Well, what do you know about this donor? All I know is that they said that they have met you before. They say that you are an incredible person in your field and that they met you at, 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 at the party before, apparently. The party? The welcome mixer. They, they said that they made contact with you at the welcome mixer and you expressed interest. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, but I'd really appreciate if you told people in charge, like myself, these important things. Okay, Egan? Next next time, let me know. Okay? They said they saw your speech. They have apparently been, been watching you for a while now. And it, she it finally clicks in her head who, who he's talking about. The short little tweed Irishman. Uh, is he here? Is he... How do I get a hold of him? They're waiting at the conference room. They've been oh. waiting for like two and a half hours. And I tell them oh, that they, they can leave, but they, they insist that they want to be here. And they, they, they just really want to meet you. Uh, all right. And um, well, you know, maybe a little bit of warning next time. All right. You think I would want warning? Um, just, just I'm, sorry, in there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. just, I've been told <laughs> that if I screw up another deal with another uh, potential donor, that they will metaphorically rip me in half and I think that means literally just just fire me I don't think they can actually rip me in half but I'm not willing to put that to the test <laughs> <laughs> alright well, well lead the way lead the way okay fine let's go clear clear the room move and he's just kind of like throwing people out of the way as they as they get in the way and he uh, composes himself right when they're in front of the conference room and he goes how do I look and he's just like a completely sweaty mess right now you look lovely okay good Whew, here we go and he cracks the door open and goes, I'm so sorry that we're late. Dr. Egan was uh, knees deep in research like she's always is. She's a hard worker, our Dr. Egan, right? right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm terribly sorry for, for not getting the message. I was uh, quite busy doing my research and uh, I hadn't checked my pager. Not at all, Dr. Egan. And you see, of course, I got a lot of fucking Irish accents. Today. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> you you see <laughs> you see uh, the, the short, stout Irishman that you have uh, had a few encounters with, actually. Yes. And he shakes your hand and goes, uh, it is lovely to see you again, Dr. Egan. And you as well. I, How is the research going? Uh, quite well, actually. Yes, I, uh, I just recently published a paper the other month. Oh, we know, we know. We have kept in, in very close... Uh, connection with all of your work. We, we could not miss it. I, I, I apologize. Where where are my manners? And you, you realize that at the very back of the conference room, there's been someone staring out, out the window, out in the campus the whole time. And he goes, mm -hmm. allow me to introduce my most esteemed employer. It, 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 he just could not wait to meet you. I mm. present to you, and he kind of steps back to reveal a very tall man in a beautiful black suede suit. Mr. Abernott. 
And Mr. Abertnot turns around, and Egan, the first thing that you clock are deep, reflective, purple eyes. And I just... And I just freeze in place. And I just stare. <laughs> and as you stare, a smile creeps over his face, and you hear telepathically, Hello, Bommel. You... But out loud, to everyone else, you hear him say, Dr. Egan, I presume. She just stares for a moment, and then she says, You. If I'd known you were behind this, I wouldn't have come. <laughs> okay, let's all come the... Egan, come the... Oh, Shut up! She says... You see, the dean looks completely gobsmacked. <laughs> and Mr. Abertnot walks towards you and goes, Dr. Egan, I have heard a great deal about you. I don't know who you <laughs> confuse me to be. I am... Don't lie to me. I know who you are. And she turns to um, leave the conference room. And as soon as you turn to leave the conference room, the door slams behind you. And when you turn back around, you see that the short Irishman and the Dean have these, like, completely glazed looks over their faces like they've been hypnotized. Mr. Abertnot is now directly behind you, and he goes, Not so fast, Bommel. I think that you're really going to want to hear what I have to say. Our camera now jumps to Iris. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Iris, everyone in your pottery class is very nervous. You see everyone is sitting there going over the techniques, refining everything. You're, a f you're, you're basically the person who's been sitting next to you the whole time, uh, Judy Cho, is deep in worry. She's she's kind of going over her, her exact measurements in her head, and she's got about 14 diagrams kind of all laid out. She leans towards you. She goes, so, what are you going to do? Um, well, I, I think I figured it out this morning. I think I decided what it's going to what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You, you you just you decided this morning? <laughs> yeah. You're, I mean, you're brave. Judy, I mean, how did you decide what you love? There's so many things that I love. Every day I see something new and I say, I love that today. And then it just made it very hard to pick one thing. So I kind of did multiples. What are you doing? I'm doing Miss Pac-Man. The door slams, uh, flies open, and the whole room goes quiet as Babette walks in smoking a cigarette and goes, Dakar, who will fail today, huh? Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> well, and she looks at the clock and she goes, What are you waiting for? Come on, say! And she, like, slams on this, like, clock that she has sitting on her desk, and you see that the hour begins now. You've got this, Judy. You've got this. <laughs> Judy is is pretty much hyperventilating. So, Iris, mm -hmm. why don't you tell the audience what the fuck you're trying to create? Okay, hear me out. There's multiple things. So, it's a baby deer wearing aviators with a bunny rabbit on top of its back holding a milkshake with a bird on top of the bunny rabbit's head holding a bouquet of flowers. Oh wow. my god. <laughs> and Good luck. you're going to do this in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, there's a cherry on the milkshake too that's very important <laughs> it is the cherry on top oh, the cherry on top gotta have the cherry here's what we're gonna do <laughs> I'm gonna have you roll our it's showtime roll okay 
And the thing that we're going to apply to it, the specific stat that we're going to apply to it. Mm -hmm. So because this is love and something you're passionate about, I'm going to let you roll it on hot. Um, can I say she does it with veracity so I get my <laughs> my wild hunt added to it? I think that you only have an hour, so yes, you can oh, be. She's so into it. Okay, good. You can nice. do it with veracity. Okay, I'm going to do it. Okay, I got a five and a six, so that's 11 plus three, 14. Wow. This new dice is my new favorite. Yes. Okay. So you just crack your knuckles, Iris, and you just let the clay speak to you. Every, every like motion becomes this like sensual dance with the clay as you begin to shape it to your will. She, like her shoes are off. She's like stripped down to just her overalls and she's like knee deep in the clay. Like she's go, she's like fully into it. The, the memories that you're feeling bring you back to you being in the Fey realm. And of course it didn't snow a lot there. But you remember running around and flying from the trees just uh, outside your family's, you know, settlement uh, within the forest. And you could hear a call going, Iris, Iris, where are you? You have not finished your lessons yet. And she rounds the corner and you see your aunt coming into full view. And your aunt looks, she looks a lot like you, but instead her hair seems to be almost silver gold. It kind of falls from her hair, refracting light in a rainbow way. And she stands at almost seven feet tall in your world hmm. with such elegance and grace. And her, her wings are the biggest of all the fairies in your clan. There's my little explorer. Hi. Hi. Come on. I, I, I know you hate it, Iris, but... You have to do some of it. I just don't think it's worth it. I mean, it's not like I'm going to be doing what Walthrus is doing. She sits on the edge of the leaf and says, You know, I thought that too when I was your age. But sometimes, sometimes the crown passes to other people in a family, and we must all be ready. Uh, and I refuse to let you be as unprepared as I was. I don't want it. It's fine. Just let him have it. He's the best. Sometimes, Iris, we don't have a choice when destiny thrusts something upon us. Well, destiny is wrong, and it should go to somebody else. <laughs> okay, fine. How about this? How about you take the day off today, but I expect you to come in an hour early tomorrow. Iris, like, flies up and next to her aunt and gives her a kiss on the cheek and says, Thanks, auntie. You're the best. <laughs> and as you take off into the sky, Iris, and the clouds start to kind of part by you, your vision kind of, as, as you break through a cloud, your vision comes back, and what you're staring at is the most magnificent fucking clay sculpture that the world has <laughs> ever seen. It's a Christmas seen. miracle! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so good, Iris, that you didn't even notice, but when you look around, you see that the entire class is staring at you. And Babette, you see that her entire cigarette has burnt out, so it's just like a solid ash line right now <laughs> that she hasn't stopped looking at you, and she finally drops her jaw, and the cigarette plummets to the ground, and she goes, Sacre bleu. <laughs> it uh, is beautiful. Really? It looks like she's fighting every inch of 
her face is contorted this horrible horrible <laughs> shape and just one tear manages to break free from her eyeball <laughs> and drops to the ground and you swear steam comes out when it hits the floor iris looks concerned towards uh judy judy finished her miss pac-man and it looks pretty good okay and she's just staring back at you going oh my god iris is it bad iris that's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen oh you gave the deer aviators oh yeah (laughs) you hear babette like get down really close to the magnifying glass and she goes oh my god there's a cherry on top Look um, at the lines, the weight, distribution, the lifelike edges. How did you do this? She turns to you and she grabs you by oh. the collar and pulls you towards her. Uh, How did you get this power? Tell me! Um, I don't know. I just... And she, like, stops and, like, gives her this serious look and just puts a hand over her heart and says, You have to create from here. And then she points at um, Babette's head and says, Not from here. Forget about the edges. You all have to forget the edges! She, like, yells to the class. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you hear Judy go, Yeah, I do have to forget the edges. No, Miss Pac-Man didn't look like this! And she starts, like, re- reshaping and everyone. You just hear people go, Yeah, forget forget the edges! Forget the edges! <laughs> and and they're, everyone's, for the first time, is smiling, making their claim. But Beth's like, No! No, what are you doing? Do not forget the edges! No! From your Nazis heart! This is audible! No! <laughs> the edges are my life! <laughs> Iris just goes over and puts her arms around Babette and goes, It's okay! It's okay! She looks at her hands and she says, Until I can learn to not use lines, I will never make pottery again. Oh! Okay! Oh, wow. Curse these hands. No! Curse them! No, I will no, no, cut no, no, them no. off and feed them no. to my dear. No, 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 no. No, she like grabs them and says, you just have to try from your heart. And she like walks her over to like, I don't know, an empty station somewhere with clay and just like places her hands onto the clay. And, and like, you are literally reenacting the ghost yep, position. Yep, right yep, yep, so yep. Here it is. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> I'm doing it, Iris. I'm really doing it. I'm so proud of you, Babette. <laughs> oh my god. And at that, the timer that she set went off, and it kind of snaps her out of it, and she looks back at the whole class, dumbfounded, and she says, That is. That is all, everyone. Please go. Go about your lives. Good day. <laughs> Judy Cho looks back and says, Hey, Iris, that was. That was pretty cool. Thanks. Oh, one thing. And she runs over to like the art supplies and grabs some glitter and says, hey, Babette. And she like takes her hand. She says, don't be afraid to add some sparkle. And she like places the glitter into her hand. (laughs) Iris runs back to Judy and like links arms with her as they leave the classroom. She's like, you know what? I think that went really well, don't you? Wow, Iris, you're really cool. Really? Thanks. I don't really have a whole lot of friends, but... It, it was a great semester just knowing that you were always next to me. Oh, Judy! And she, like, gives her a big hug and says, I'm really happy that you're my friend. Have a great holiday, Iris. I'm, I'm gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss you too, Judy. I can't wait to hear how awesome your holiday is. 
here's my number. And she writes down a number on a piece of paper and she runs off. And Iris, um, the bathroom door just creaks open kind of right down the hallway. And you see a familiar pair of eyes poking out with a red beard. And you go, you hear, psst, Iris, psst, Iris. And she thinks to herself, this is, she, she thinks back to like <laughs> the leprechaun, like horror movie. She's like, oh my God, is he going to kill me? Hi. <laughs> Iris, come in the bathroom! Oh, okay, come in the bathroom, okay. Iris! Come okay. in here! Hi, I'm Iris! He slams the bathroom door and he locks in. He goes, Yes, I know you're Iris, and I'm lucky you friggin' wobbles. Iris, <laughs> I saw your work. That was fascinating. Thank you. I've never seen a bird in such... A, well, not a live bird look so alive. And the cherry on top was... Mm, it was the cherry on top. <laughs> Yeah, I really like cherries. Hey, what are you doing here? Are you taking a class? <laughs> oh, no, I, I had something that I wanted to propose to you. Oh, okay. What were you thinking of taking next semester? Intro to basket weaving. Oh, fuck <laughs> that shit. I have a better idea. How about you do an independent study unit with me? Hey, are you a teacher? Is that going to help me graduate? No, not exactly, but I have my ways of making sure that an A ends up on your transcript one way or another. Oh, well, as long as I get that, because I really want to make sure I graduate. Oh, it'll be like you're doing a class, but Iris, we get to do something much more fun. I'm going to introduce you to the nature of this world and how to use it. Okay. Well, um, baskets are important, but sure. Yeah, let's, um... <laughs> Let's independent study together. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. And he pops out of existence again. And on that, our camera's going to fade from Iris in the bathroom alone with the kind of uh, residue rainbow dust left over by Lucky. <laughs> and it's going to pan to Kane. Yeah. <laughs> Kane, you arrive on set. And as usual, it is chaos, right? Like... <laughs> People are running around like crazy, and there's just a lot of chaos going in, in the back. You see that Specs, Specs, of course, is your rival on set, yeah. who for the past month has been relegated to script supervisor and is really not happy about it. So you see him kind of sitting in, in, in a tent off to just behind the camera, scowling at you as you walk on set. You hear him whisper something to some of the other tech crew, and the tech crew start to laugh at you. You've actually noticed that the tech crew have been a little bit hostile towards you this whole time. It seems like they're not really on your team. They Aww. might be. Uh, they might owe their allegiance to somebody else. Fuck you, Specs, you piece of shit. I whisper under my own breath. <laughs> so as you whisper, you see the cinematographer turn around and give you like a shh whisper. As you notice that they're actually in mid-scene. And in mid-scene, you see the main character, who's played by the greatest actress on campus, Aurora Stella. And Aurora Stella is in this, uh, she, she's all done up in like this 1930s getup, because this whole movie is an homage to that time. And uh, acting beside her, this incredible starlet on the stage, is Rudd Plainsbud. And Rudd Plainsbud <laughs> is literally described as the most average person in the world, except <laughs> his extremely long arms, which make him ideal to play the swamp monster in the movie. That's amazing. <laughs> Rudd Rud Plainsbud only got the role because of his freakishly long arms. Yeah, so they're in the middle of a shot. 
and Aurora Stella, of course, the star-studded actress, is in the middle of a monologue. And she is staring into the eyes of the swamp monster, and she goes, I don't care what kind of monster you are. I don't care if you can only breathe air for two minutes at a time and have to submerge back into your dirty swamp. I don't care that you're infertile. I don't care that even if we could procreate, our babies would be half-human, half-disgusting swamp monster baby and would probably die upon birth. All I care about is that I love you. And you hear Rudd go, like, through his mask. I love you, too. (laughs) (laughs) And she leans in for this half-assed kiss on Rudd's mask. And he, as cued, runs his freakishly long arms kind of around (laughs) her to give her an embrace. And as that's happening, you hear someone offstage cue... All right, Aurora, get ready for your scream when the slime monster enters the room in three, two, one. And Aurora turns to see where the slime monster would be. And what comes out of her mouth is this incredibly half-assed scream. Something like, ah, oh my God, can we fucking cut, please? Cut! And everything stops. It goes, oh, cut, stop it. Did she just call her own cut? I call out loud. (laughs) (laughs) And the the cinematographer goes, yeah, she does that a lot. I'm sorry, but I just don't feel like this scene makes any sense because if I'm with the swamp monster right now, okay, but the blood-sucking creature comes after me next, how... Why, why is this scene here? I think it just throws off the whole fucking pacing of the story. I mean, you know what? And the speech. What's wrong? I, I've told you a hundred times, the speech is too much. It's ridiculous. What what the fuck is this? I, I, the only thing that I care about is that I love you. He's a fucking swamp monster, okay? Uh, I just don't understand my motivation. Where Where is Mo? Okay, where is Mo? Uh, I look around for Mo. You yeah. see Mo is no, nowhere around. Oh, it's me. Oh, God. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Mo's not here right now, Aurora. No sweat. We're just gonna talk through this together. So Okay, Kane, so what the fuck are we supposed to do, huh? You wanna present to me shit and you wonder why I deliver shit? The reason your monologue is so long is because it's a horror movie and it is a little larger than life, so your character being the most normal in this film compared to these monsters everywhere needs to fit that size somehow, and that's why we really push the humanity. And if you want, if there's still an issue with your lines, I'm sure you could actually talk to Specs over there and give him a little piece of your mind and maybe if you compliment him once or twice on how thick his glasses are, maybe he'll allow you to throw in a couple lines of improv. Is that a happy medium? How about this, okay? Because I'm Aurora Stella, okay? Everything I do exudes fucking character and pathos, okay? That's what I do, and I'm pretty sure that the Oak Haven Press called me the greatest thing to ever walk the stage since the light that I was under, all right? So, please, Listen, tell sweetheart, me. that was a theater review. Kate starts to put his foot down. This ain't a stage no more. This is film. You're on a set, buddy, so you gotta pull up your pants and we gotta get this moving because we're on a deadline. You don't have time for motivation, okay? You fake until you make it. You wanna be an actress one day? Then you have to fake it. And, and Kane brings it down really, really small so that she almost has to lean in to hear what he's saying. Do you understand, Aurora? You could be great. You could be... Not You are going to go leaps and bounds in this, and this is the work you have to do now so that it pays off for the rest of your life. And I will give you $100. (laughs) (laughs) She, She looks at you, 
and you swear like her eyes like run up and down your body for a second uh. and she goes how about this I'll deliver you the best fucking scene you've ever seen in your life great hold off the money and maybe we can uh, figure something out after the holidays and she like gets close to you from her leaning in but you feel her just gently caress your ass as she walks back to the set and can you hear someone kind of in an excited voice go, Oh, Mr. Picton, please, we have a question. And you see from behind you, Mo Picton walks in. But instead of his usual swagger strut and just loving life face, he does not look well. You see him come in. He looks unshaven. He looks like he hasn't gone out of bed in a few days. He looks very confused and is walking around very timidly and is kind of shuffling his eyes around looking at the ground he goes oh um yeah no do do do, do whatever you want I, I trust whatever Kane says says to do um and he's just kind of walking around the set very aimlessly um, uh let, let's take it from the blood-sucking monster coming in and uh let's actually do that scream one more time you guys want to roll that for a sec i'm gonna go talk to mo all right, you, you heard the boss. Well, the second boss, it really, I don't know. Fuck it. I don't get paid enough for this shit. Action. <laughs> right. And they begin running the, the scene as Mo is kind of in the background, just standing in the middle of the snow in shorts and a t-shirt. Hey, uh, m- m- Mr. Mr. Picton, uh, you're looking like a, a bit of a mopey Mo today. <laughs> Everything okay? Yes, Kane, I'm fine. I guess I'm starting to think that maybe this movie wasn't worth the investment. What makes you say that? Did you have a revelation, something you wanted to change about the script? I can go yell at uh, Specs right now for you. Hmm. No, I mean, everyone that I approached the script with has said it was the best script they've ever written. And and everyone on the project has just, they've said that this is going to be a surefire success and, and all, all the press we've gotten, but, but there has to be a limit to things, right, King? There, there has to be a, a a price that's too that that's too much and in, in, in investments that just that don't pay off right right i uh I, <laughs> he smells like booze like he's clearly been yeah drinking. and and kane definitely understands where he's coming from um so he looks to him and he says debts suck i look to him and when you have them even though things are important, I, I would agree with you that there is a limit on things. But it all depends on how much you truly believe in the end result that you're looking for. I've had my fair share of owing people in my very short lifetime so far. And the one thing that makes me feel okay is knowing that the sacrifices I make and the things that I do that might be wrong are for something good. <laughs> you know what, Kane? I have never had that thought in my entire life. And I envy you that whatever you're doing, you know that it's at least for good. I can't sleep anymore, Kane. I, every night I go through my books and I'm reminded at the cost of this film and I just, it, it's in my head and all I can do is see it over and over again and it's been it's been a week and I haven't slept I haven't eaten, I just have to drink and think and drink and think and he's always there and he's always fucking talking I know what you're going through and I'm 
I have to go. Oh, yeah. He just he just interrupts you and he goes, I have to go. I am gonna go and he looks up at the clock tower and he goes, Scout out our new location. I think I have I think this scene's gonna be played better up there. What do you think, Kate? Yeah, um, Mr. Picton, if do you wanna meet throughout the holiday sometime? I wanna sit down and talk about um the movie. Sure, Kane. We can meet during the holidays. And he pulls out a flask and takes a big old swig and walks up towards the clock tower to go inspect the shot site. I'm not going to do anything. He just kind of says to himself and kind of touching his necklace like, what the fuck are you costing that guy? And I walk back to the set. Cut! You hear Aurora stuck call her own cut again. And she, she looks at Rudd and she goes, can you deliver a line that doesn't sound like the most fucking plain thing I've ever heard? I swear to God, listening to you act is like listening to a 70-year-old order a fucking breakfast. I whisper to uh, the camera and keep rolling. Aurora, keep yelling at him. You are literally the most useless turd I have ever met in my life. And and Rudd just takes off his mask and you see he's just been crying. And he's like, listen, you don't understand, okay? I've only got this role because of my freakishly long arms. I know and everyone else knows it. I'm really tired of... You, you, you don't know what it's like every time you walk around. You have to worry about your nails scraping off the floor. Rudd! Isn't that how the swamp monster feels? And Rudd looks back and he goes, I, <laughs> he goes, I guess so. You're in character right now. Rudd, you're, you're methoding right now. Use this shit. Toss that mask back on. Strink up your tears as it swells in your mask and fills up. And I want you to say I love you with the sadness of being a swamp monster, of having those frictionally long arms. We're rolling right now. Toss it on. Give that line and say it, Rudd. Don't hold back. And he throws his mask back on and Aurora looks at him and says, All I know is that I love you. I love you too. And they kiss and they wrap the arms around and you hear the person again from offstage going, And blood-sucking creature, enter now. And instead, as soon as he says now, a crack hits the cement and resonates so hard that it bounces off all the walls in the quad. Whoa. And it truly sounds like a thousand thrones breaking at once. Oh. And Aurora turns around and the scream that she lets out in this moment makes the last one seem like nothing. Her scream is blood curdling and it's so good that the cameraman turns behind you and gives you like two thumbs up. Like, oh wow, that was great. Uh, okay, cut. Good. Yep. <laughs> and as soon as you call cut, you hear the entire set start to scream. Oh, God. And everyone runs up to where Aurora is looking. And you see that Mo Picton's body is shattered. <gasps> Whoa! Having jumped from the top of the clock tower. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> that's a wrap, everybody. Oh. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody clear the way. Uh, get out of the way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, uh, yeah, just move. <laughs> he, he wants to check out the body, I guess. So as you go check out the body, you see several people running over to phones and making calls. So you can assume that the authorities have been called already. So as you go check out the body, what are you looking for? Like Aurora has already fainted. Um, Rudd has also fainted, so they're just kind of, like, on top of each other right now, and Rudd's freakishly long arms are protecting Aurora from all the falling <laughs> snow. Um, kind of see 
what led him to this or what was going on in his head. Yeah, absolutely. So, Caden, roll a gaze into the abyss roll for me, please. That's an eight. Okay, so you get to choose one. The visions are confusing and alarming, or the visions are lucid and detailed, but they leave you with the condition drain. Uh, to be honest, I'm going to keep um, confusing and alarming because I, I want to have energy for tonight. Okay, okay. So you, you kind of get close to him and just gently, like, trying to be as, you know, um, you're trying not to attract a lot of attention to yourself. You place a hand on his hand, trying to feel for any sort of that lingering demonic presence. And you get a flash of him through the night, just drinking bottles and bottles and bottles of um, liquor, trying to, what because you just kind of get feelings, right? So you can feel these screams of anguish in, in your ears as you just try to drink yourself to sleep as if you can't escape these things. And finally, you see yourself on the top of the clock tower with these screams still echoing in your head as... And it clearly does not look like he was pushed uh, the, from, from the vision. You see that his, his kind of gaze was staring out at the campus with these screams blasting in his ear and he looks down and he sees the set and you just see him take a single step with his foot and he plummets to the ground and the last thing you experience is just that boom right on the ground as you kind of get shocked out of it oh fuck wow that's really messy and next to you your bestie is staring standing above you just kind of like looking over going ooh that's gross very funny dickhead Hey, I didn't do this. He stepped off by himself, friend. And I would watch your fucking tone. <laughs> so he couldn't handle it, huh? He couldn't handle what he had to owe you? Hey, I don't know. Uh, and also, all deals are strictly confidential. That's just client-patient confidentiality. I'm a professional. <laughs> I might need your help in a bit, actually, after the holidays. I have a, I have a situation I need help with. I think you have another situation, and he t turns and points, and you see that Spex is has already convened a meeting of all of the tech heads, and and he goes, I have a sneaking suspicion there's going to be a power grab soon. What makes him think I want it? <laughs> I say aloud. I know seven movies. I watched them this semester. <laughs> You're the heir apparent, Kane. You're the one that. <sighs> Mr. Mo Splatterbrains trusted with all of his vision. Wow. <laughs> I I can't even imagine how this is a part of some sick twisted plan you have. I literally can't even imagine. But whatever, I'll do it. I don't <laughs> Kane, you're silly. I don't have a plan. I just like to go with the flow. Happy holidays, Kane. Sorry I didn't get you anything. I just I figured that me not killing you was kind of the gift in and in of Yeah, no problem. As he's walking away, kind of wa <laughs> waving his hand up. Yep, always love to meet and talk, buddy. And Kane, as you leave the set and you know the proper ambulances and things are coming in to uh, clear the area and discover what happened, you can just see that the bestie is just overseeing it all, standing on top of one of the lights that are rigged, just with his characteristic ear-to-ear -ear smile, loving every second of this. And on that, our camera fades away. Undergrad, A Monster Heart's Tale, will return after a brief word from our sponsors. And now, a word from our sponsor, Antonino's Pizza. 
Our specialty is pizza. That's what we do. It's what we do best. We don't offer pasta. We don't offer wings. We don't offer fries. We stick to what we do best, and we believe we do it better than anyone else. The best pizza in town or your money back every penny. We have three locations, South Windsor, Tecumseh at Manning and Amy Croft, and LaSalle on Malden Road. And now, a word from our sponsor, Brimstone Games, your one-stop shop for all your tabletop needs. Located at 1421 Tecumseh Road East in Windsor. Coming in early 2021, the Fantasy Fantasia podcast presents its very first secret episode collaboration with Skipping Stones Theatre. A three-episode arc set in the Learn to Be a Leader day camp where your favorite undergrad heroes guide the students of Lovecraft High through a day of adventure, hilarity, drama, mischief, and danger. Episode 1 will be released for free. That's right, free. Episode 2 and 3 can be yours for only $3. For more details, follow our social media pages at the Fantasy Fantasia Podcast or visit our website www.talltaletheater.com. Hope to see you there for Fantasy Fantasia's very first secret episode collaboration. And now, back to Undergrad, a Monster Hearts tale. Evelyn! So we'll say you and Nick arrive at the, the building where Cicero teaches his class, and Maddie McFinfan is waiting at the entrance, tapping her foot, and she goes, Where have you been? Um, I was just warming up, you know, stretching, you know, uh, getting ready for our big performance. <laughs> you were supposed to meet me approximately 45 seconds ago, and I will not forgive or forget. <laughs> and she turns around and her red hair kind of hits you as she walks inside. I turn to Nick and say, I guess I better get in there. So as you head inside, um, by the time you get in, you see Maddie has already changed. And she is, to say that she is neon, the epitome of neon is an understatement. <laughs> she's got, she's got like, uh, she's got her tights are bright green. Her, her spandex kind of shirt thing, like leotard thing is bright orange. And all of her headbands and wristbands are all different colors. And she goes, well, are we ready to Simmons the class? Yeah, let's, let's do this. Just remember, Evelyn, if you fuck this up, if you sully the name of the greatest living human being, I will fucking end you. <laughs> Look, Maddie, I agreed to do this project with you, so we're going to do a good job on it, okay? Okay, but are you sure? And as she's kind of walking in front of you, looking back at you, listing things off, she goes, and you've watched all the videos that I sent you? Yes, more times than I wanted to. And you know all the history of Mr. Simmons? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. And one more thing. Ah, and you just hear a slight crack as she misses a step walking through a hallway. And she falls to her, she falls on the ground and lets out like a, ah, Evelyn runs over to her and says, Maddie, are you okay? My fucking ankle! Ooh! Ah! Ooh, oh, no. ah help oh, me no. up, you buffoon! Okay. And so I run over and I try to help her up. 
Okay, Maddie, let's get you some ice. Let's sit you down and we'll get you some ice. Oh, we we can't. It, it's it's about to start. Our, our, our... And and you see Cicero poke his head out and he goes, "Everyone, please be aware that the exam will begin in forty-five seconds. I will count down in a dramatic fashion, in case anyone wants to make a photo finish. Forty-four, forty-three, forty-two. Forty-one, and he's like speaking it out, and Maddie goes, "Well, huddle me inside. We're gonna have to do this presentation, and so help me God, if I can't use this ankle, Evelyn, you are doing the whole thing, and you're not fucking it up on my account. You got it because you said you know it all. I'll talk if I have to, but you have to lead them all in the movement, and don't you yes. dare fuck it up because I'll know. You got I know, it? I know, okay. And as you get close, he starts to like speed it up because he just wants the photo finished. So by the time you get there, it's four, three, two, one. Oh, you guys made it. You were so close. <laughs> Well, are you ready? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're fucking ready, okay? I just... And she goes to put her, her foot down and she just... Oh, Maddie, you seem to be hurt. Cicero looks at you and smiles and he goes... Two arch-rivals having to work together for mutual benefit. This is finally why I signed up for this class. Finally some drama. Excellent. Come inside. I vote that you two start. And he barges in. You see, there's a group already getting ready to perform. They have a diorama about broccoli growing. And fucking Cicero literally just knocks their dioramas over and goes, you would have failed anyway, so I'm doing you a favor. Improvise it when it's your turn. You two, front and center, let's go. Everyone, without further ado, I give you a thrilling tale of two arch rivals coming together to be bestest friends in the whole wide world, all because of my wonderful class and some sort of final exam that I think they have to do. What's it about, girls? Um, it's about Richard Simmons. The greatest living person in the world. Maddie says with so much conviction. Exactly. And Cicero goes, well, he jumps in his like swivel chair and spins it around a few times. Go! And Maddie kind of looks back at you and she goes, I have unfortunately found myself unable to perform the tasks at hand, so I delegate all of my jobs in this performance to Evelyn. And she looks at you and she's smiling for the class, but her eyes say, don't you dare fuck this up. <laughs> Go, Evelyn! Go, Evelyn! So, Evelyn, why don't you let us know how you want this public speaking presentation of Richard Simmons to go. <laughs> All right. So basically, Evelyn's going to be leading the class in a Richard Simmons style workout. Oh, my God. Okay, everybody, uh, let's get you on your feet. Let's get those bodies moving. And Evelyn's <laughs> going to start moving side to side. And she's going to say, come on, everyone. Let's move side to side. Come on, let's move those arms. <laughs> let's get them moving. And she's gonna start moving her arms side to side. And then she's gonna start adding some toe taps on each side. See, come on everyone. Move to the left and tap. And move to the right and tap. Yes. So as, uh, as you're leading everyone in that, the music kind of climaxes and the the tape is like ba -da -bow, boom and everyone just starts like clapping and everyone's sweating and having a good time they're like wow i haven't gotten the workout so i love richard simmons oh my god and um uh, cicero stands up and just like <laughs> wow absolutely riveting 
Wasn't that incredible, class? Once more for Evelyn and Maddie. And Maddie jumps up, Evelyn, and leaps on one foot and gives you a giant hug. Aww. Thanks, Maddie. And she whispers, that was the greatest Richard Simmons-like-esque uh, workout I have ever seen. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to make you proud, Maddie. I don't hate you as much. <laughs> you know what? You make me marginally less like I want to punch you in the face. That's good to know. I've been feeling the same thing. I'm glad we're on the same page. Like 33% less. You know what? That's pretty accurate. Okay, let's go with that. This is incredible, class. This is what true perseverance and friendship and drama looks like. This is what makes good TV and mediocre teaching. I am Cicero, and this is my master class of friendship. <laughs> Maddie's like, does he know what class he's been teaching this whole semester? I don't think so. <laughs> I might have to make another report. You know, human resources sees a lot of me. You two get A's. Class dismissed. <laughs> They're like, wait, but what, what about our exams? Nothing. Nothing will be as interesting as that drama right there. All right? It had so much catharsis that I feel like I need a nap and a venti macchiato. So everyone, get the fuck out of here and I'll just decide what your marks are after several glasses of wine. Goodbye. <laughs> Amazing. And he, he looks back at you, Evelyn and Maddie, and says, and one more thing, you two. Never stop dreaming. Don't let this shitty world eat your souls. And thank you, Professor. This is Cicero, signing off. <laughs> and Cicero turns and just like, as mysteriously as he arrived, just <clears throat> walks out of the classroom. And everyone's like, so should we go home? Um, I guess? I paid like several thousand dollars for this class. <laughs> And on that, our camera fades to Zachary. So, Zach, you, when you get back to Coffee Josh, his Coffee Josh is just opening up. And he unlocks the door and goes, Oh, uh, Zach, hi, I, th I thought you were coming a little bit later. What's going on? Yep, buddy, get in the, get, get in the building, get in the building, get in the building. Oh, okay. We gotta okay. go. Gotta, okay, yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, listen, listen. Okay. Uh, he's just gonna go to the, uh, uh, the t-shirts, kind of take a look around to make sure that there's no cops or anything. <laughs> okay, uh, I've got an idea. I'm 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 gonna need all the coffee filters we've got, a stapler, and a good old fucking bucket of coffee. All, all the coffee filters, but we we have we have customers coming. I mean, you know that today was supposed to be your your presentation, right? I, I sent you a, a fax. Oh, I I totally checked that fax. Fuck! <laughs> I got your band. Uh, I, I got your band to come. They're they're coming to play some jazz for us. Well. We put on that, that coffee house vibe, you know what I mean? And your prof is supposed to come and do the whole evaluation thing. So I figured let's just, you know, let's really make it right, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, I, I totally see that. You know what? I was actually just thinking, uh, maybe we should um, put something in the uh, the pockets, you know, something that, that ties back to the theme. So I'm thinking we put like a little sample size of coffee in each pocket. Hey! That's great. That would probably bring customers back. See, that's the kind of stuff I think Professor Snoozin wants to see. And uh, exactly, and I can't yeah. afford anything so, less than an A in this because this is this is my livelihood. So, yeah, Zach, let's let's do it. Okay, okay. I'll make little sample sizes of coffee. Sounds good. Cool. And I'll just be here by by the t-shirts, um, just making sure they're they're good and open so that we can put coffee in in those. 
pockets. Just make sure that your band is set up when they get here, okay? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'll, I'll totally make sure. That's that's the least of my worries, trust me. And as if on cue, the the <laughs> your band rolls up, Alexis, um, Brian, and of course Travis, and Travis goes, Hey, man, what's going on? Thanks for inviting us, dude. We had to get memos from Josh over there. Weird. His factors are really, really, really specific, though. Oh, well, that's good to know. I haven't read a single one. Um, listen, sorry I didn't invite you. I've just been kind of everywhere. Uh, yeah, so if you guys want to set up, I'm just going to take the, uh, the, the hive mobile, uh, real quick. And I'm just going to be driving around <laughs> as he's taking all these, um, baggies out of these pockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, we'll make sure everything's set up, right? And Alexis kind of like looks at you. And ever since your menage a trois with uh, Zelda there, um, Alexis literally hasn't brought it up at all. Good. Zach hasn't brought it up either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like neither of you have brought it up. And that's just the way it's going to be for a little bit. You also haven't seen Zelda at all on campus since. Like they not even like crossed her path. You haven't seen her at all. Okay. Okay. Uh, shit. Shit. Brian, 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 my buddy. Yeah, what's up? Oh, hey, what do you want? Listen. Hey, first of all, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas. I think I had a bit of a change of heart. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really full of Christmas cheer. Uh, so, um, hey, listen, you've got, you've got some origami skills, right? Um, I don't know, do I? And he pulls out, like, the origami of the entire cast of Frasier that he's been working on. <laughs> Dude, you're just getting better and better. Thank Listen, you. Uh, I'm just going to be right back. Uh, Zach's going to go into the, the hive mobile, grab a box, load it with the drugs, come back to Brian with some wrapping paper and say, Hey, Brian, listen, can you uh, can you wrap this for me? I'm really shit at this. Yeah, what what kind of bow do you want? Double loop, triple loop, quasi home loop? Yeah, uh, that one. Pirate R? Oh, wait, no, pirate R. Fuck, that sounds cool. You want, you want the pirate R loop? Yeah, sure. Oh, that's my specialty. And he, he he starts to wrap at a frivolous pace, and it comes out looking like boat knot tie, and hands it to you and goes, it's pretty cool, huh? It's a nautical oh, theme. Wow. Thanks, buddy. Oh, and by the way, Merry Christmas. And he gives uh, Brian the box. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. You've never given me a present before. Oh, dude, you know, I just I just figured, like, this, this should be the start of something new. I'm going to try, you know, an early New Year's resolution. We're going to... We're going to really, like, incorporate your ideas a little bit more, I think, in the band. Because you're, like, the unsung hero, like like a proper bass player should be, let's be real, but come on. Anyway, don't open that box until Christmas, um, and make sure that nobody sees it. Uh, okay, well, I'm just going to put it over by my coat in the corner. He goes to set it up on the coat, and you see that people are starting to flood in, coming to Coffee Josh's, and you see that a lot of them are their regulars, are, are your regulars, and they go like, Hey, Zach, man, can I take an extra large t-shirt, please? <laughs> yeah, man, uh, listen, we've got we've got a bit of a, a business kerfuffle, so that we can't do that today, but um, we'll figure something out, okay? Cool. Dude, what do you mean? This is, it's fucking, we're going into Christmas break. Are you going to say that I'm going to be dry Christmas break? Gimme, gimme... $200. Uh, uh, I'll, uh, I'll really make it worth your while. How good is this stuff that you're selling right now? Dude, it is plentiful. It is way more than, than you would ever need for a while. Uh, Zach, hey, I finished all the things you want me to finish. And Coffee Josh, like, taps on a cardboard box that's filled with, no people can't see it, but it's filled with coffee samples. 
Oh, thanks, dude. That's great. Hey, Brian, listen, can I get your help with something, actually, buddy? Uh, yeah, what's up? Uh, yeah, I need you to, to fill these, uh, these here t-shirts with a little, uh, bit of this, uh, this Coffee Josh coffee. Could you, could you help me with that? Yeah, sure. Cool. He's gonna go back to the drug dealer really quick. Listen, see that box right there? It's full of drugs. Take it off my hands. 200 bucks. For the whole thing? Yeah. No shit. <laughs> 200 bucks, man. Yeah, fuck yeah, you got a deal. Deal. You didn't hear it from me. Didn't take it from me. You're just, you're just a thief. If worst, worst case scenario. And as soon as he slips you 200 bucks, you hear the door ding and the ground shake as Bull Steel and his massive body walk into the room and his head like clips off one of the chandeliers. Ah, Officer (laughs) Bull Steel, how's it going? Hey, hey, listen, is Commander Holly around? Sergeant Holly is (laughs) on her time off and said that I can only sit here and quietly observe what you're Good, because I wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way than you quietly observing instead of, you know, um, assaulting uh, a kind, upstanding citizen. Hey, listen, would you would you like to make a donation to, to the children's fund? You'll find this out a little bit later in the presentation, but a portion of our funds do actually go to, to a local children's there, the thing. Function. <laughs> He's right, officer. And without even having sounded like he's opened the door, Otto Snoozin has just kind of appeared behind you <laughs> and goes, A proceed does go to the charity of the students choosing. Yeah, isn't that great? Wow. I just, I feel so fortunate to be part of a school that, that is so giving to its community. What's more important is that, yeah, okay, fine, I'll give you a few bucks here. And he gives him a few bucks and he says, but I'm fucking watching you, Wilder. Yeah, dude, watch me all you can because you know what? I'm going to be on stage and, and that's the place to be looking. So gosh, golly gee, I'm, I'm glad you're you're up with the take. If you pollute my campus, I'll pollute your fist with my face. <laughs> or my fist with your face. <laughs> God damn it. Fuck you. And he, he just, he walks away all embarrassed and he sits on a chair and you can hear like the chair like just from his sheer mass. And you hear Otto snoozing, talking to Coffee Josh going, I will have a medium coffee. Okay, fine. Okay, great. So medium coffee with two milks. Okay, medium coffee, two milks coming right up. And Josh just like stops and stares at him for a moment just to see. Okay, that's coming right up. And two sugars. Oh my God. (laughs) And Otto snooze and walks up to you. Zach, this is quite the setup that you and Josh have achieved. Thanks. I mean, I couldn't have done it without those notes that I took when I attended your class about business. May I inquire as to why the police are here? Oh, yeah, there's a bit of, you know, unfortunate sort of circumstances. It looks like a couple of uh, people, you know, that listen to music uh, tend to kind of spoil spoil the pot. You know, bad, bad eggs and all. Anyway, I'm going to go get set up because I'm a little bit nervous and, and you're here. So I'm just going to go compose myself in the corner there. Very well, I shall begin your assessment of your business that you have put together with 
Josh. <laughs> uh, Zach is just gonna like. Uh, there's there's this big T-shirt display. He's just gonna walk behind it and start hyperventilating for a minute. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, he's gonna think uh, to to Travis and try to get his attention. He's just gonna do hand signals. Oh, okay, yeah. What's up? What's up, Captain? Okay, uh, dude. Um, if if I, I need you to kind of take an eye on on Bull Steel there, okay? If things start to get sketchy, if he starts getting close to that that Christmas box there, uh, I need you to start playing. Uh, get me out of trouble. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you, you you got it. Anything. We'll, we'll keep okay, an eye on Okay, cool. All right, thanks, man. He is and, starting and... to comb the building, just so you know, and he points, and you see that he's already kind of going, he's just walking along every, like, wall and inspecting it. He's still really far away from, from the, the present, but he's definitely starting his examination of the room. Get get started on the music. I'll uh, I'll just uh, get ready here. Uh, I'd like to welcome everyone for, uh, for coming on here and, uh, you know, enjoying a bit of coffee. It's, uh... Let's all give a give a big round for Coffee Josh and his uh, his amazing Joe. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's good. Remember, it, it's ten percent off for Christmas presents that you buy in a coffee pack. All right, let's rock. Okay, so here's our presentation. <laughs> These T-shirts are not what they seem. They are, in fact, of a premium quality. In these uh, inconspicuous. Uh, wonderful band t-shirts designed by the very beautiful, very wonderful, very talented Alexis over there. Everybody give a round of applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. She gives like a rock signal as she's in the middle of drumming. <laughs> Zach Wiggs. Haha, yes. And Does it sell she... drugs? Bull steel interrupts your, car, your, your pitch. Yes, I have a confession to make. They do contain drugs. Uh, in each one today, you will find a packet of coffee None other than Coffee Josh's, because we think that, um, you know, partying responsibly is of utmost importance, especially during this holiday season. The room starts uh, to starts to applaud that. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it then. Cool? Cool. Nice. <laughs> so as you kind of jump in and start to jam with everyone, and the coffee's selling off, like people are lining up, buying coffee, listening to your jams, having a good time, and Bull Steel is slinking his way around the room. And you see uh, Fox Holly comes in. She comes in with her dog, and she gives Bull Steel like the get the fuck over your fingers. And you see her just give Bull Steel the third degree as Bull Steel is getting ripped apart because he even showed up here. You can tell that she was not happy that he's searching the place and stuff as this is happening. But what you do see is as she's giving him the third degree, her dog starts to smell the ground and smell and smell and make the dog, the dog makes its way closer and closer to the coat rack until the dog's nose is deep into the present, just just smelling the present. And you see Bull Steel kind of stop his argument with Fox, Holly, and look over and just run over to the coat rack, grab the dog, throw the dog behind him. Fox Holly catches the dog. She's like, you fucking asshole. And he goes, you wait, Sergeant. I was right the whole time. Uh, Zach is going to try to, to like overload the amps and maybe cause a blackout. Oh, oh my nice. God. Okay. That's going to be an, it's uh, it's showtime roll. 
and let's have you roll plus cool, because that's just that's just cool. Okay. Plus, plus, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've never been cool. so afraid yeah. of dice. Oh. <laughs> that's a nine plus one. Oh. Yes. Nice. I am sweating so, so bad, you guys. <laughs> so describe how you want this to go. Okay, so Zach um, turns the the amp up with his foot to eleven. Uh, strikes the most like gnarly card. Yeah. Uh, and then just you can see the electricity make it to the amp, make it to the lights, and just shut everything down for a second. Um, while this is happening, uh, Zach is going to run over to the present and switch it with uh, a different present that he made for Egan. <laughs> and. <laughs> So, so I want you to roll, hold steady for me, but add two to your roll because you are doing this in the dark, and uh, you do know your way around the around this place pretty well. Okay, that's an eleven. We're good. Oh yeah, so you just you totally do it as you're both steel. Go, what the fuck? Ah! Uh, Zach's gonna toss the um, the present out uh, into the maybe snow. He <laughs> just like kick kick like a like a window to not have to go to the door and throw it out. <laughs> Yes, you just t- toss it out the window. The and, and you hear Josh go, "Everyone, please the the, the backup generator." The backup generator turns on, and he goes, "Oh, okay, well that's great." And Bull Steel goes, "Anyway, Holly, <laughs> Fox, what I was telling you is I was right." And he picks up the present, and he rips it in half, and what is he looking at? Inside the present uh, is a Polaroid, uh, a series of twelve Polaroid pictures. Uh, with uh, a little calendar scribbled underneath each one. And they're all themed, and they're all Zach in very suggestive poses. (laughs) (laughs) He he turns purple, staring at you, and Fox Holly goes, Really, Bull, this is so unprofessional. You're going to show me this little boy's nudie calendar and claim that it's evidence on drugs? I think that a two-week suspension is warranted for your behavior just today, if not for the whole year. Shame on you. And she picks up her dog and she walks out. And Bull Steel just fucking looks at you, Zach, and crumples up your sexy calendar so hard that it just, like, compresses into the tiniest ball and he just eats it. (laughs) And looks at you and walks away and kicks the door open and leaves in a huff. Excuse me. Auto snoozing pops up behind you. I just want to say that today was exemplary. You and Josh deserve an A. Thank you. Wow, an A. Do you hear that, Josh? Hey, that sounds good. I know we're making a killing at the cash here. Uh, one gram, one latte macchiato coming out. And you see that Cicero is there ordering a macchiato. Not that anyone would care, but Cicero. Not that you would know who Cicero is, but he's getting his macchiato right now. Zach, uh, just kind of like cool, calm, and composed, walks back behind the t-shirts and just fucking like collapses on his knees and just starts hyperventilating. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <sighs> 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 And Travis goes, well, uh, we, we helped you out, buddy, but we finished our exams yesterday and we, we got to catch a flight or we're not going to get back in time to see all the family for the holidays. So um, we're, we're going to head back now. But uh, 
But I'll catch you later, man. It's really been a crazy semester. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Can't believe some of us almost died. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't like happen. Like multiple again. times. Yeah, wow. <laughs> what are the odds of that? I'm sure that won't happen next year at Oakhurst Academy. Hee <laughs> hee. Anyway, guys, safe, safe travels. Really, you guys are like my family. Back at you, buddy. And Travis gives you a hug and Alexis um, lingers and, and Brian just kind of gives you like a nod and hands you a Santa um, origami. Very, very complex with all 12 reindeer. Thanks, man. Wow. Wow. And yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty oh, impressive. Shit. And Alexis kind of just lingers back and says, "So um I guess I'll see you when I get back. I assume you're not going to come with us, eh?" Yeah, I got I got some some stuff to deal with and and plus my my family fucking sucks balls, you know that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but I mean, hey, I bet your mom might still miss you. Yeah, uh I mean, I, I'll I'll give her a call. Like, you know, it's more my style anyway. Happy holidays, Zach. <laughs> Happy, happy holidays, Alexis. And as we leave you both at Coffee Josh's, our camera transitions back to Oakhurst to Dr. Egan. Mr. Abernot. So he is staring at you and you see that the dean and uh, his, his kind of, uh, seems like his sort of personal assistant seem to be completely hypnotized out. And he goes... Well, Baumol, shall we? Oh, I apologize. I hear you like to be called Dr. Egan now. <laughs> I thought you were in the ground. Well, that's something I'd rather keep to myself. More importantly, what are you doing here, my dear? I suspect because you're here, you already know. I find your research fascinating. Mm-hmm, I bet. You're not getting your hands on it, though. I simply wish to help you achieve what you want to achieve. <laughs> really? So it's all altruism, is it? Just for research's sake? To advance the field? You have no other ulterior motive? I don't know about ulterior motives, but Bommel, I just want to sleep. I'm happy to oblige. I thought that we had done that 1,500 years ago. Kingdoms have risen and fallen, empires have drowned under the sea, and yet I am still here. I still linger. You and I both know that being a vampire does not extend your life. All vampires have the same pathetic lifespan as all these mortals on Earth. You just must consume blood and have more power. Boom, or shall I say Dr. Egan, it was what your father did to both of us that is the reason why we are alive now, why we are cursed with undeath. I want it to end, Bommel. I want to be free. I'm surprised that you do not want the same. There must be a price. Of course there's a price. Once you have found the antidote, I would like to be the first recipient and test subject. I think I should gladly be the one to administer it, if it means the end of you. Look what you did to me. What I did to you? I think you are remembering it very differently. Come, Bommel, let me show you what really happened. He gets really close to you and his hands touch your shoulders and you get instantly brought back to that moment that we were just before the prologue ended, mm. where you start to walk outside in the cold 
staring at these purple eyes looking back at you. And these purple eyes come into focus as it is the figure who you are looking at in front of you in the boardroom. Except you could tell that the attire he's wearing is much more lordly, much more medieval. And he extends his hand out to you and you hear, Boom. Come dance with me, my dear. I don't know if I should. My father said that you were a you're a bad man. I am many things, but now I want to be your dancing partner. Please, my dear. And his eyes flash purple again to essentially hypnotize you. So you walk up and start dancing. Now, you it takes you a while, Egan, to realize that you are hovering above the ground while you're dancing. Mm-hmm. You're hovering about 20 feet in the air until you hear god damn you and you see your dad running out in the cold with a torch mm. uh, that he's created uh this kind of not uh, everlasting torch outside of his staff and he goes damn you abatok i damn you i've already been damned you damned fool and now i wish to pay the favor back and he locks eyes with you egan and he goes Come, my dear. Give us a kiss. And he leans his lips into your lips, but passes them. And you feel but a prick as (laughs) you're almost like essentially brought to orgasm. (laughs) As his teeth sink into your neck and begin to drain you. And I just kind of go limp in his arms. Yeah, and you just go limp and you, you hear your father from the ground go, No! And he slams his staff into the ground, and it uh, the, the the energy from it released actually shatters your tiny little stone tower, and it shatters it, and it makes um, Abertok um, kind of back up, and he you know he fear is in his eyes, and he goes, "You want her, old man? Have her!" And he drops you from twenty feet in the air, and Abertok disappears in a puff of cold snow and your father runs as fast as he can and he jams his staff into the ground and the snow kind of rises to meet you to cushion your fall and it falls to the ground gently as your father holds your head and you can see this it's almost like you and the current Abertalk are watching this happen mm-hmm. and you see your father uh, start to immediately kind of, he starts to assess your 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 damage and you're not looking good you're you're very pale um you, you can feel from your past self just looking at it, you can feel like you're on the brink of death and your father begins to draw a circle around you in the snow and begin to utter all these incantations and light begins to swirl around him and finally with one more crescendo of the incantation light consumes you you and your father and your father collapses quietly in the snow and your eyes open and you kind of sit up in the snow father your skin is very pale and I'm kind of looking at my body and and I'm, I'm very transparent and, and very transparent. Yeah, and I and I have this very strange feeling like I've never never felt before. It's this almost hunger, but it's it's worse than anything I've felt before. And, um, 
then I, I look over and, and I see my father there and I just go, Father! Father, what's wrong? What, what happened? Wake up! Wake up! And then I remember um, Avratak and, and do I see him at all? No, he's gone. And then I say, Avratak, wherever you go, I will find you. I swear on my fa- my father's memory, I will find you and I will end you. And as you're saying that, Egan, you see a deer come out of the clearing, but all you can hear and feel is its heartbeat. <laughs> and the deer is just, it, it, it's clearly used to you. It's just grazing, not seeing you as a threat. And immediately my instincts kick, kick in and I start kind of um, quietly moving through the snow and I can tell that I'm no longer cold. Uh, it's it's like my body temperature is the same temperature as the, the snow and it just makes it so much easier and I can feel this deer's warmth. And then all of a sudden I just run toward it with this animalistic speed and just sink my teeth into it and start to feed. And as you sink your teeth into the deer's neck and begin to feed, it collapses and starts screaming out and slowly and quietly stops as it goes silent. And as you begin to feed, you can hear the faint sounds of hooves clopping behind you and horses neighing as you reel around with your blood-filled mouth and your sharp teeth flashing in the moonlight. And you see a young family with their son. And they go, Oh, uh, excuse me, miss, do you need any assistance? And as you stand up and begin to silently walk towards them with blood dripping from your mouth, Avertok disappears the vision. I am just as much to blame as your pathetic father. Bomo, we have both done terrible things in our life. Yes. Help me escape it. Help me be free and free yourself. With pleasure. Hmm. Do we have a deal? She pauses a moment and looks at him and then she holds out her hand. His purple eyes begin to glow and he goes, You'll be hearing from me, Bomo. It was lovely seeing you. And he smiles and you see his his fangs sh like flash at you. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for myself. <laughs> and he just disappears into like a cold, uh, kind of a cold fog and it just <laughs> exits out the room. And uh, Don Dean and the Irish fellow both kind of come to, and he goes, So, Egan, you will not give this employer any sort of lip. Do you understand? He has come on behalf of his employer, and he should be treated with respect. Don't worry. It's all taken care of. Oh, you'll do it? Yes. And I look over at the Irish guy, and I say, I've made my arrangements. My employer would be thrilled to hear that, Dr. Egan. And she quietly walks out the door. Hmm. And you hear Don Dean go, Ha! I didn't know I was such an incredibly accomplished diplomat to get people to come together. 
And as the Dean congratulates himself on a job well done, our camera fades away from that scene and opens back up on every one of the society except Egan standing in front of Egan's home. <laughs> you have all received the, the invitation and stuff, and you all arrive just before seven o'clock. And um, Egan, you can hear them gathering outside your front door. I go to the door and I open it up and I say, hello, welcome. Happy winter solstice. Come in, come in. Iris immediately puts a present in Egan's hand and goes, open it, open it. I'm so excited for people to open my presents. <laughs> she has not stopped talking the whole way over. It's been exhausting. Yes, come oh, in, come please, in. It's cold please, 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 please. I so want to open presents right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to give my presents to you because I, I had so much thought and, and love put into each and every one. Aww. Well, I have presents for all of you, so come in. Um, I have lots of drinks and appetizers and some eggnog, and I have a non-alcoholic version for you, Kane. And oh, you're the best. That <laughs> actually made him feel really happy. <laughs> so come in, come in. So she kind of gestures to her um, her living room, um, which is, you know, her whole house is all decked out and, um, you know, Garland, silver and gold garland, and holly branches and evergreens and white lights on the outside. Is there a tree? There is a tree, yes. And it's, Iris it's is already sitting under the tree holding the presents going, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how do we want to do this? Do we each want to like go around and each do one present like at a time or open them all together? How do we want to do this? <laughs> we have to get settled and I have to go get my presents. I have them in the other room. And, and as she does that, she's walking past her couch, um, which is a sort of black leather couch, and she notices something a little bit yellow kind of stuck in between the, the couch cushions. So she reaches over and she pulls it out, and it's sort of Speedo-style men's underwear with bat, the Batman logo all over it. And she quickly <laughs> crumples it up and puts it in her pocket. <laughs> yes, Kim! Mm. Yes! <laughs> yes, Kim! That's hilarious. Why, why don't you all eat and drink and be merry and then gather in the living room and I, I will go get my gifts so we can open up right away. Right, Iris? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm so excited, guys. It's the first time I've given presents. And this is the first time I've wrapped presents. And this is the first time I've put bows on presents. Uh, how, how did Richard Simmons go today, Evelyn? You know what? It surprisingly went better than I thought it was going to. How did your exam go? Oh, I uh, I have some really bad news. Actually, I gotta tell everybody. Oh no. Um, uh, my teacher died. What? 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 <laughs> yeah. What? Your teacher? Which teacher? Um, Mo Picton. He oh, he jumped what happened? off the clock tower we were shooting under. Oh, oh Kane, I'm so sorry. What does that mean about your film? I re what I hope it doesn't mean is that it's on my shoulders now because I'm, I don't think I'm ready for that kind of level of responsibility. But And then he, he stops for a sec. He's like, but, but I think I'm going to try and uh, take over. Good for oh. you. He wouldn't have chosen you as the assistant director if he didn't have faith in you. So this is yeah. a way to honor <laughs> his memory. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Kane, you got this. It'll be great. Yes, you listen to Iris. Yeah. yeah, listen to me. I'm smart sometimes. You're smart all the time. Oh. And Zach, how did things go at the coffee shop? Oh, I got an A, so hey, nice. Oh, congratulations. I'm really surprised, actually. That's amazing. I, I mean, I mean, I get it, but hey, I try really hard in school. 
Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wanted to make sure you were laughing first because, uh, fuck no, man. <laughs> Iris slowly plops a present in Egan's lap and smiles. <laughs> All right. And Iris, before I open this, how did your finals go? Oh, um, really well. I kind of may have broken my teacher a bit. Um, she deserves it. I guess I just did really good on my project and kind of convinced her to try some new ways of doing art. So, good. Good. cheers! And she like holds up a glass. Yeah, cheers <laughs> to cheers. the to the society members who have yet to name themselves. Uh, to everybody passing <laughs> we their are the exams. nameless. <laughs> we are the no-name brand of Oakhurst College to everybody. Here, here. Okay, no presents. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. Um, and so Egan starts to open up Iris's present, and uh, what is it? It's a red corset from a store called Kinks and Links. <laughs> wow. Yes, oh! <laughs> we'll be visiting Kinks and Links in a few episodes from now, but for the audience, all you have to know right now is that they specialize in selling sex toys and clothing, as well as providing all the fencing for your fencing needs. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Courtesy of Eric for the name and the idea, but yeah, that's where she... Nice. Yep. Nice. Well, I, I I love it. I I thought you could use it for your love making with Jeremy. Oh, oh God. Um. Uh, well, thank you. Thumbs thank up. You. Right back to you, Egan. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Evelyn, and she hands on to Evelyn. Um, I'm almost scared to open this now. <laughs> and Evelyn slowly starts opening the box. It's like a little like baby doll, like sexy, see-through, like little pajama thing. Oh. <laughs> It's a lot more vanilla than Egan's, but it's, it's all white. She, she just holds it up and then drops it in the box really quickly. <laughs> the underwear are completely see-through. Wow. Oh, she says, thank you, Iris. Very nice. thoughtful. Her face just goes beet mm -hmm. red. <laughs> I never knew what lingerie was. It's so exciting. <laughs> okay, Zach, and she throws one to Zach. Oh, you didn't have to get me anything. And by the time he finishes his spiel, it's already opened. <laughs> It's like a black leather thong. Yo, this might be a little conservative for my taste, but I dig it. That's awesome. Oh, and of course, can't forget you. And she passes the one to Kane. She's like, I will tell you, it's not from Kinks and Links, but I definitely bought some stuff for us to try later. Oh my God. <laughs> God too much information. I think someone called it a shopping spree. <laughs> Kane puts his present like on his lap very strategically. He says, okay, uh, let's, <laughs> let's open this baby up. It's a black thick leather bracelet and it's embossed with like a collage of like flowers and like fey animals. But then like, it'd be hard to see like, unless you really looked at it to see like the pattern and like the collage of different animals and plants in it. But then in the middle at the top, there's like definitely like a fairy woven in there to the mix and she goes oh my god and she goes well i mean i know you wear that necklace because well we all know but i thought it'd be nice for you to have something that represented light magic because you're both dark and light and you fill me with a lot of light so i hope you like it if you don't want to wear it you don't have to kane it's actually from that sentiment like he just goes silent for a moment and he just kind of hugs you Aww. tight he just very quietly says thank you that that means a lot of course and he puts it on right away <laughs> she's happy she's like who's next this is so much fun i love presents 
Uh, I'll go. I mean, yeah, why not? Uh, I guess we'll go clockwise. Um, Zach, first. Um, it's the biggest one. And I pull out a package for you. And it's just wrapped in newspaper, but uh, I hand it over to you. Oh, dude, I love newspaper wrapping. It's like my dad used to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, so you open it and inside there, it's a bong. And at the store, it's actually called the Queen Bee. And I, uh, <laughs> it's in the shape of a guitar. This is fucking radical. Yeah, I, I thought of you instantly, man. It was, uh, it was a good find. Thanks, man. Okay, Evelyn, uh, yours is... Uh, <laughs> I give you another package uh, wrapped in newspaper. Thank you. It's much smaller. Um, you open it, and there is a 20-pack of all earthy-colored scrunchies. So there's, like, <laughs> browns and grays and greens. Um, like, yeah, you, uh, you like scrunchies, and they are clearly useful, so I thought I would get hmm. you uh, a nice uh, jumbo pack. Oh, thank you, Kane. Egan, yours is the smallest package. Oh. It's about the size of a pen, and I pass that to oh. you. Okay. And uh, inside, there is a laser pointer. And if you press it, um, it actually is the Batman symbol oh, <laughs> oh uh, in the laser pointer. Yes. Figured, uh, <laughs> I figured it could remind you of Jeremy, and then also you could use it in your lectures. That's and amazing. She's kind of a little bit embarrassed when she sees that it's the bat symbol. Yeah. But, uh, she's like, thank you, Kate. And then um, for Iris, I placed the, this package down. It's about mid-sized. In, uh, in a rectangle, and you open it, and it is a, <laughs> a lava lamp. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, oh, what is it? So it's filled with, like, gelatinous, jelloey stuff, and it's a <laughs> lamp, and it kind of looks like lava. Um, Ooh. So it's a lava lamp. <gasps> I'm going to plug it in now, and she runs over. She's like, where's the plug? Oh, right over there. Okay. <laughs> she plugs it in. I love it. It's so pretty. And she just sits crisscross and watches it. Thank you, Kane. She says without taking her eyes off of it. It's so pretty. No problem. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. Okay. Here you guys go. Um, uh, Egan, this is for you. Oh, thank you. And thank Evelyn. You. And, and yep. Thank you. There you go, Iris. Uh, and uh, mm. I'll save yours for last, Kane. Oh, sweet. That must be really good. That's a good yeah, time. Okay, okay. So, um, Evelyn, why don't you open up yours first? Okay. Uh, inside is a band tee, um, and in the inside pocket is uh, a rare dried belladonna. Oh. Oh, wow. I figured you might like that. Anyway, uh, Iris, uh, I'm just going to stand on the outside of this room here. What? Just go ahead and open it. Oh, she looks down and she like immediately rips it open really quick. Uh, inside is a scrapbook um, of, uh, I, I did this before this whole improv thing came up, uh, of Bernie's uh, leaves and clippings as kind of he's grown and, and <gasps> his life. There's, there's some weed in there. So yes, there is drugs. Oh. But, but it's just like, it, it kind of shows the life of Bernie. You made a baby book for your plant? Yeah, man, I thought you'd like it. You like plants and shit and care about that garbage. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes over and just gives him a big hug. She says, I am so happy that Bernie has such a wonderful dad, and I really hope he gets better soon. Yeah, man. Hey, um, you know, if we use mm -hmm. Bernie, that lava lamp is going to look really fucking cool. Just saying. The, like, plant particles of Bernie are like, we are the echoes of the past. <laughs> 
<laughs> Heed our warnings. <laughs> um, she like shakes her head and says, thank you for the gift. This is a day of giving and merriment, not plants dying. And she closes it up and puts it on her lap. Help. <laughs> All right, Egan, you're up next. Uh, right. And <laughs> you open up a crappily wrapped, um, <laughs> just really shoddily done. Uh, but inside is a beautifully folded origami of Santa Claus. Well, thank you. And, and uh, she goes over and, and kind of lightly places it on the tree as like a decoration of the tree. Looks beautiful, Aww. eh? Yes. And for Kane, Kane, oh boy. <laughs> Kane, I, I give you a, a beautiful gift. You see, this was something that, that my dad gave to me uh, one Christmas 20 oh, no. bucks. <laughs> wow, that's actually really thoughtful. Thank you. It is? Oh, oh, cool. Sweet. Okay, everyone. My turn. So, you can open them up at the same time, since all these gifts are kind of related. Oh. Mm. Alright. So, Iris, yeah. you open up your gift, and it is a pink purple and yellow braided leather bracelet and it has a little <gasps> silver butterfly charm on it <gasps> oh it's beautiful i love jewelry yay kane you open your gift and it's a silver pin that has a triple spiral design on it thank you egan you open your gift yes. and it's a black and silver braided choker and it has three oh. little star charms that are hanging from it. Oh, this is beautiful, Evelyn. I love it. And she puts it on. Zach, you open your gift, and it's a black braided leather bracelet that has a silver skull charm on it. Dude, that's metal as fuck. Thanks, man. <laughs> All these charms have one of Evelyn's good luck charms infused into them. Oh, I love that. So let's say in-game that you can use it up to three times and you basically get to re-roll your roll, but you have to stick with the second one. Sweet. Nice. Okay. Sounds good. And I said, all right, now my turn. <laughs> so as I, uh, I, I go get the, the, the um, gift bags that I brought out from the other room and they're so this gold foil gift bag. And as she's going around handing them out to all of the society members, um, uh, she, she says... So winter solstice is is very big uh, for my family. It's it's our, our main holiday, and I just wanted this to be very special. So I have some um, items here that that have some meaning, um, both to us and also to my culture. So uh, go ahead and open open it up, and what the first thing I take out is a jar of honey. And Elizabeth says, long ago. Britain was known as the Isle of Honey, and what you hold in your hand is honey that can be found nowhere else on earth except for where I come from. They say it has magical qualities because it comes from flowers that bloom year-round. My people use it as an offering to the gods and spirits, but, um, well, also in my family, we, we also turned it into mead to keep us warm <laughs> throughout the winter months, too. So, oh, I put a, a little card with a mead recipe. It's, it's absolutely killer if you want to try it. <laughs> oh, and there's one more thing in there. It, it perhaps has fallen to the bottom of the, the bag. 
And the second thing they take out is a small jewelry box and it contains a small pin as well. And it's um, the, the pin is made out of this antique gold. You can tell that it's gold, um, sort of, yeah, antique gold. And it's in the shape of an oak leaf with an S carved into the middle, it, middle of it. And she says, the oak tree is sacred to my people. Legend has it that there are two kings, the oak king that represents summer and the holly king that represents winter. And they are locked in this constant battle throughout the year that causes the changing of the seasons. And on the winter solstice, which is the shortest, darkest day of the year, the Oak King defeats the Holly King to usher in days of increasing light as we head to towards summer. So what this pin represents is not only Oakhurst, but also the society as we fight to usher in the light against the darkness. Wow. That was beautiful. That's lovely. Yeah. Wow. Guys, this has been the best. Thank you all for joining me. And at that exact moment, everyone, your attention is pulled towards Egan's fireplace. It's all of a sudden swelled in size, and it's kind of swirling with all of these different colors. What? What? A swirl of energy takes over your fireplace, and sure enough, it, it, it like spikes green and goes out, and you hear, and what lands in your fireplace, sending dust into the room, is a massive present that falls down your chimney. <laughs> Santa? <laughs> Iris screams and runs towards it if she sees those presents. Towards it? You you see that? And, and like this this present is just about like half your size, Iris. It's very big. And what it says is there's a big tag that's scribbly written, the gang from Rufus. Oh, oh my gosh! Rufus. More presents? <laughs> so you open it and you see that there are a collection of um, gifts and they each have someone's name on it with a card attached. And you see that they're all from your poltergeist ghost friend, Rufus, who has been traveling around the world. They're all addressed to each of you. And basically, as you each read your card in turn, you can hear Rufus's voice to each of you saying something like this. To Kane at Oakhurst College. Hello, Kane. I hope that you and the rest of your hippie friends are doing well. In my recent travels around the world, I have learned that it was wrong to make you do that keg stand. I should have been a man of my word and made that Evelyn girl finish the whole damn keg like she <laughs> promised she would. Anyway, it was wrong for me to pressure you into that, and I'm sorry. Anyway, I've been traveling around the world, and I have collected some very special gifts for you and your hippie friends. I hope you enjoy this limited edition copy, which is out of print, by the way, of How to Cheat at Film by Alfred Hitchcock, with a whole bunch of footnotes and tips and tricks from the ghost of Alfred Hitchcock himself. Oh yeah, crazy fella. But good luck, kid. And remember, <laughs> you can't take life too seriously. It'll end before you know it, and all you'll remember is being an asshole. Anyways, take it easy. P.S. Do you know if that Iris girl is single? Also, do you happen to know if she has a necrophile kink? Oh Yours truly, Rufus. Class of 78. To Dr. Egan at Oakhurst College. Hello, Professor. 
and any other law officials who may have come into contact with this letter. For the record, I am a dead man and therefore cannot be charged with any ongoing criminal activity. That's from my lawyer. Thank you. Anyway, you seem to look like not so bad of a person. And maybe I feel like you could have helped me with caring about my schooling back, you know, when I was here in the 70s. But to get to the point, as a gift from my travels around the world, I thought, you know, you could use some new disguises, aside from a lampshade. And inside this box, you will find a costume that I snatched from a wax museum. Now, I remember you were British or something, so I figured maybe you would know who this person is. And it is a Margaret Thatcher costume with a uh, rubber Margaret Thatcher face mask. And also inside of the box is a blacked out morph suit for when you're really feeling like being a spy again. Anyways, I hope these gifts and this letter reaches you well. Yours truly, Rufus. Class of 70. Thank you, Rufus. <laughs> to Zach at Oakhurst College. Namaste, ya hippie fuck. I hope all is well. Listen, you fucked up my house and all, but I guess your band did play some pretty killer fucking jams. I have to give you that. And as a man from the best generation of music, I can respect that. So, if you ever run into some creative roadblocks or writer's blocks, you should stop taking those overrated hippie mushrooms and try some of this shit. Now, if he looks inside of the box, he is going to find a uh, 1.5 kilos of ayahuasca. Now listen, you gotta make sure to take it in small doses or share it with friends because this is not some groovy shit to fuck around with, you understand? It's some potent far out type shit. I packaged this straight from the Peruvian temple, so again, be careful with it. Oh, also, tell Brian I say, what's up? P.S. Do you know if the Iris girl happens to have a necrophile kink? Yours truly, Rufus, class of 78, to Evelyn at Oakhurst College. Hello, Evelyn. Ever since you and your hippie friends freed me from the campus, I have been exploring the world and experiencing as much of real life as I can. For this, I deeply thank you. I've been gathering gifts for you and your friends among my travels, and for you, I figured since you seem like the least of a dumbass out of all of your friends, I would send you something that hopefully will help you find out whatever it is you're looking for on campus. To you, I give the entire collection of my seven years of yearbooks from the college. Hopefully, you can find whatever clue you're looking for in one of the pictures or names or something from these babies. So yeah. Good luck, and again, don't hesitate to use that beeper. P.S. Okay, you still on. owe me half a keg to be finished. And next time we meet, I'm gonna bring half a keg for you to drink. Yours truly, Rufus. Class of 78. Oh, and second P.S. Do you happen to know if uh, that girl Iris has a necrophile kink? Iris at Oakhurst College. Dear beautiful Iris, I hope that that shithole of a campus has been treating you well. I must admit that seeing you at that party made it the best one in 20 years. Your groovy overalls were indeed far out. 
as my gift to you, darling, I only wanted the finest. So, I thought I would bring you back a bonsai tree, which I removed by hand with care from a Japanese forest, since you seem to be that tree hugger type, I guess. I also made this obsidian necklace from the volcanic glass of Mount Fuji. So, listen, if you're ever lonely at night, please use that beeper to contact an old ghost. I also got this thing called a, a cellular telephone. You can also contact me on this thing. Uh, I put the number below. So, that's all I have to say. Just wanted to say thank you and check in. Adieu and best wishes, princess. And on the bottom next to the cell phone number, there is also a Polaroid photo of Rufus with his shirt off laying in the uh, seductive, like, Rose from Titanic pose as he lays on a tropical beach uh, in his male short shorts and crop top with the Alpha Sigma Sigma initials uh, on the sweater. And on the bottom next to it, it says, Yours truly, with love, Rufus, class of 78. There's a picture. He looks good. He looks good, not gonna lie. Guys, this present opening has been so successful. Thank you all for the great gifts. So as you say that, you hear carolers coming down the street and they kind of stop in front of your house because they can see you kind of all through the window and they start singing. And as they start singing and you all kind of go towards the window to see them, our camera, our camera begins to pan out over Oakhaven. Now what I'm about to try to do right now is something that I've never tried. We're going to try to recreate a film montage. So I'm going to explain to you the shots as I try to balance out this poem at the same time. So basically just kind of see this as a series of shots. For this time of year, be in good cheer. Have no fear. It's friends together. You see Jeeves hmm. skating on a frozen lake with some of the other uh, staff from the treetops. Cold loving weather and people in pleather. And you see Abel flexing in his pleather uh, clothes, staring at his ass. <laughs> Whether it's from far away. We cut to Coffee Josh, who is sitting in his building by himself, staring at a present that he did not give out that says to Iris. Oh my God. <laughs> Whether it's from far away, or an elegant display. You see Lucky hanging pornographic um, like light fixtures and a bunch of trees on Oakhurst and having a great time. Even those who feel astray. And you see Maddie sitting in her room by herself with Richard Simmons posters everywhere with a parcel that just says from parents and it's weight loss magazines. Aww. Oh my gosh. There is one thing small, a little bit of light. Happy holidays to all, and to all, a good night. And on that, our camera fades to black. Our camera opens back up to the society headquarters, and the chairman is sitting there very patiently, putting the final touches of paint on those wooden figurines that he was carving in the prologue so long ago. The fire drops as if a gust of wind has come in and the chairman doesn't really pay it any mind and as he puts the last bit of paint on his Egan figure he turns around and he says 
it did take you longer than expected. And when he swivels his chair, what you see is a figure in a black and red cloak, very similar to the figure that we saw in the flashback all those uh, flashbacks ago who drained Chadley of his life force. You can still see some of the scar tissue under his mouth where uh, those kind of bubles and, and horrible scarring was before, but it's healed quite a bit. Serby pops all three of his heads up and takes a smell and tucks its tail between its legs and runs out the room. Without saying a word, the man in the dark robes flicks his hand and a chair moves for him and he sits in it. And the chairman says, you look better. It was time to go back. Well, are you ready? Has there not been a year that I have not been ready? The chairman says. The chairman waves his hand over the table and a chessboard appears. And on the chessboard are all of you, carved in various wooden figures. The chairman moves his pawn. Without saying anything, the dark figure mirrors the move. The chairman looks at what he should do. And the hooded figure says, Stuck already? No. And his hands find Egan. And he says, I think I've just begun. And he slides the piece forward, slams it on the chess table. And our camera snaps to black. Thanks for listening. Tall Tale Theatre Collective is proud to announce that we are expanding our podcast network to now feature two programs. We will continue to present our horror series, Night Terrors. Welcome to a world of thrills, threats, and terrors. Night Terrors is an anthology radio play podcast that will bring you face-to-face -face with your nightmares. Come listen, if you dare. Introducing our newest program, Fantasy Fantasia, which includes two RPG podcast campaigns. The first is Dungeons & Dragons, Legend of the Silver Flame. Experience laughs, suspense, and triumph with a motley crew of adventurers who could be the last hope against great evil, long thought to be vanquished. The second is Monster Hearts, Undergrad. Follow the tale of romance, mystery, desire, and murder as an unlikely bunch of mostly pubescent monsters navigate their social, academic, and supernatural lives at Oakhurst College. Listeners even get the chance to weigh in on the action of both campaigns. 
For more, visit our website at www.talltaletheater.com. Tall Tale Theater Collective. Grow with us.